Welcome to episode 24 of Under the Holotable, the Holotable news network podcast covering in-depth analysis, mods, tips, and the hottest topics from the Outer Rim. What a piece of junk. I am Voxen, and joining me on today's episode, we have Celiac Sarah. Hey, how are you? I'm great. Welcome back. The community has missed you. I'm excited that this is like our first chance to get you back in the foray. Yeah, I'm pumped. Wonderful. And a uh, very special guest today we have joining us from the Imperial Fleet server, Savitar. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And that's a little bit of a hint of what we're talking about today. Today's topic is ships, ships, ships. Uh, or as Zara said in his latest video, ships. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You know that ship saved my life quite a few times. She's the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. Ah, what about that ship? That was garbage! The garbage will do! So, uh, you know, this is a topic near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm really excited to get into it, but... Uh, before we jump in, uh, Sarah, I wonder real quick, talk about your trip a little bit. Tell us all about France. Okay. Um, okay. So we actually only spent like two days in France. Oh, okay. Um, so we flew we to France. All over the place. Yeah, we went all over the place. We flew to France um, and, and we got there and I could sleep on a plane. My husband cannot sleep on a plane to save his life. So we drugged him with like melatonin and everything to, which is really a really great point of this whole story, um, to make him sleep, which did not work. And we ended up landing at like nine in the morning, but you can't check into a night flight. Right. And you can't check into your, to your hotel until like three in the afternoon. Um, and he is now exhausted because he hasn't slept, but also groggy from the melatonin. (laughs) So he's just total zombie and I'm like wired and ready to go. It's like, let's go. Let's like, let's go see the and Eiffel Tower. Also on like a time zone shift as yeah, well. Yeah, because they're six hours ahead. So <laughs> There's a lot going just... on for him. <laughs> and like, I can function without sleep really well. I don't know why. I just can. He cannot. Yeah, sure. he, yeah, he's he's just a total, like cannot function. Anyway, so we spent two days in, in Paris, which was great. Absolutely loved it. It was, I had never been before, so it was pretty much what I had thought it would be. Um, and then we took a flight to Venice. So we did a day in Venice and we were, we were there obviously for a day, did the whole like gondola ride thing and just ate all of the food. Mm. Um, and then we took the train from Venice to Florence, rented a car which was absolutely insane and drove like an hour out of Florence to stay in the Tuscany, like countryside. Um, Yeah. So we had like a couple like relaxing days and we did like the day trips to Pisa and Luca and like Florence and stuff. Uh, Luca is my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite place that we visited hands down. It's like this tiny little town um, and it's completely surrounded by a wall. Like it's just, Mm. It's, it's really cool. Like you can tell it's obviously it was some kind of like base or something like that from, from the war anyway. Um, yeah. And then we, so we were in the Tuscan countryside for like six days and then we took the train to Rome and spent a few days in Rome and did all of the like typical like Colosseum forum, Trevi fountain, Pantheon, all the typical Rome things, ate all of the pasta and pizza all gluten-free for me. Yeah, gluten-free pasta and pizza. Uh, and all of the gelato. So that was oh. great. And then we came home and now I'm sick. 
<laughs> That's right. You might be a little stuffed up. I have to mute here or there, but yeah, uh, we'll carry on with you. Very excited that you uh, are rallying for the podcast. Uh, a couple quick questions there. Uh, did you both drive? Who drove? What was it like driving on the opposite side of the road? Oh, oh, he drove. I, I okay. refused. It's, yeah. So we we knew we were absolutely not going to drive in Rome. Okay. We only rented a car because we were staying in the countryside and we yeah. wanted to get we wanted to do like day trips to different towns and we didn't want to be on the schedule of like a bus or a tour company. Like we really wanted to do our own thing. Um, so if we weren't staying in the country, we probably wouldn't have rented a car. Mm. Uh, they Italians <laughs> drive like, like it was absolutely insane. We were going down a road that the, it was like a winding road down a cliff um, like a hillside type thing that is a two-way it's it's a two-way street like there's like two lanes on it but it's literally only wide enough for one car Mm -hmm. and the posted speed limit was like 60 kilometers an hour and Trav is driving 30 and white knuckling it and he's like this feels too fast like and there are people just just blowing past and I was like we're gonna die (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah and then it Rome as a whole even we got in in a taxi when we got to the train station to get to Mm. our hotel I I don't know how people drive in Rome it's everyone is just so aggressive and just butting their way in and the traffic circles are massive please take the third exit on the roundabout. It's roundabout. Correct. Roundabout. You're saying roundabout. It's roundabout. And there's no lanes anywhere. It's just cars everywhere. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. But somehow they all know the chaos and how to maneuver it. And like everyone was driving fine. We only had two incidents where we almost got hit by cars, but it was fine. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Those, those are quite uh, crazy roundabouts over there, but yeah, I yeah. just, I think it would be so disorienting hopping in the car like that first time. Cause just mm-hmm. you're going to, you're trying probably so hard to pay so close attention, but then you'll probably just like hit a corner and be like, Oh, I can just go, you know, to the lane I'm used to. Right. Like mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that on a turn. I, I would, it would yeah, be um, very difficult, but yeah, I mean, if I'm, if there's anything I've ever learned from a car commercial it's that cars belong on those windy roads in the scenic hills driving <laughs> like 70 miles per hour whatever kilometers per hour because they can hug the road and uh yeah so uh, that's really funny that you kind of got to experience it but i'm sure uh that was beautiful like drive though oh uh, stunning it's yeah, absolutely it's really gorgeous cool. yeah i'm sure trav didn't quite de- get to enjoy it as much no <laughs> <laughs> okay well thank you so much for sharing that with us now uh listeners if your favorite moment favorite 10 minutes of our last podcast was us droning on about ships well do i have a treat for you we are doing a full ships episode now uh there is so much to process here. I'm so glad that we brought on an expert um, in it. And I definitely want to uh, recommend people check out the Imperial Fleet server. Now, I think I joined the Imperial Fleet server like a super long time ago when I was needing to look for my shard. I was trying to find my shard and they have a dedicated thing for finding your shard. 
I think a lot of people at this time are most likely like in their fleet shards already, but uh, certainly so important with um, the crystals still being a source of crystal still being tied to ships, uh, which I think it just, we've really seen in the last year, like an exponential shift in the importance of ships. And, you know, ever since they tied the Zetas to ships, they have just like, I got super into them. I was just like, oh, like Zetas are important. So ships are important. And then, you know, I think a lot of us experience that, you know, it's easier to get ahead in your ship arena than it is your, you know, squad arena. And so it just mm-hmm. kind of became the self-fulfilling prophecy of like, boy, you really get a lot of mileage or high value out of like any time you're putting into, you know, this game mode or like these characters and tunes and stuff. And so, um, yeah, from there, I just feel like I've always kind of um, had an emphasis and love for them. Uh, but uh, yeah, not all of the community shares my sentiment. But uh, yeah, Savitar, uh, did you start that uh, fleet server or did you just kind of rise to the ranks or what's kind of your relationship there on that Discord? No, um, I've been playing the game almost since the beginning of the game. Um, so I don't know, what year is it now? Um, yeah right right. (laughs) it's been a while so and i did join and um you know i kind of like took an interest in ships because it kind of felt like this niche thing where like you could carve out your own thing and kind of so i kind of just contributed over and over and just found different ways to be kind of useful i guess and Mm. uh eventually made myself or was made part of the, the moderator team and um there's still a one or two of those guys left but for the most part like some of those guys have moved on so i've probably been there the longest out of anybody except for um one other guy who's kind of around kind of you know he's got some busy he's going got some things going on in real life and and whatnot but um so there's a couple of us left but yeah it's a it's a nice little collection of people there's actually it's a very large server even if it's not always um seems like it's super busy there's a lot of people there who just kind of hop in and look at things and then hop back out Mm -hmm. it's a lot of the discussion centers around because except when there's like a big ship event right when executor came out or with all the profundity speculation it becomes a little hive and it's super active but outside of moments like that it just becomes this place to go for mid-game and early-game players to go for resources and stuff. And if you look, you see a lot of the conversation centers around, like, how to beat certain events or how to unlock this or, like you said, how to beat those Zeta challenges, which is, like, a central part of our, our beginner guide that we put together for, for people like that. But um, So it's, it's kind of jarring sometimes because people are going to ask questions like, how do I beat hard node 5b with these ships that i have and it's been so long since any of us went through stuff like that so you're kind of constantly being reminded of oh hey that's how that works you know because the easy answer is just unlock houndstooth and all good right it's all you need for those those battles but that's not an option for somebody who just picked up the game and hasn't bought the hyperdrive bundle but so honestly a lot of the good advice for those people comes from people around the same area so it's just kind of fun to see people who are like willing to help out and provide input when people like me don't remember what it was like to be a level 65 account with barely anything unlocked 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, you, yeah, you get a lot of that because the, the beginners are the people who like need the most help. And I mean, we're going to be talking a, a lot of end game stuff here, but I did kind of consider that as I was putting this episode together of like, yeah, it's not going to be too much help really for, um, you know, super beginners, because I almost really think that, you know, ships, I mean, even just speaking from my end, own perspective on ships and being an end game player, it's like, you know squads and these new releases and things get so important or we get so caught up in them that you know even at like my eight mil gp you know i start to you start to neglect ships and you know what i you know was going to kind of mention at some point here but uh it's good to we're kind of in this holding point right now where like, you know, I think we're all expecting another GL or, you know, we may all be at this point where it's like, oh, we, we kind of get to work on what we want, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people are like catching up on GLs, a lot of people are going for Starkiller or, um, you know, these other uh, chases that they have, but I would highly recommend that anyone, you know, who's looking for stuff to do, and I mentioned our last episode, you know, like going for the dash team or something like that, right, can like be help, really helpful in JC. but what I'm really realizing is like, if you have that downtime, shift your focus to ships, you know, take this moment to work on that Biston and SRP, you know, take a moment to, you know, work on your uh, GAR and Imperial Commando, <laughs> You know, it, it it might hurt or you might not feel like you're getting the bang for your buck or you're really improving your roster as much as you are. But, you know, having been on the other side of it now, it's like those four tunes, two ships, like have been so pivotal, like no regrets at all yeah. on like going mm-hmm. that direction. And those types of things are going to help you have like more flexibility and get like more wins in like GAC and TW than anything else really you work yeah. on in the game. I mean, uh, uh, AP Gains is a great example where like he's, you know, just this tiny account or whatever going up against like six and seven million accounts. He's setting no squad defenses and he's winning with only ships. It's like they're that important and like yeah. that neglected is... by top players and like can take mm-hmm. you that far if you work on them. Yeah, that, that perspective has definitely shifted once, you know, since they added the third defense for, for GAC. Like before it was very, you know, admittedly it was okay for some people to ignore ships because when you're trying to get advantages on the margins and figure out how to maximize your roster, the ships you had were just good enough and you could kind of, you know, you didn't need gauntlet as much. It was definitely fun to use and very useful even with, with you know, two ships on defense, but when you could afford to two-shot multiple ships and still win or still pull clear, mm-hmm. um, you had that luxury. Now with three, you don't really have any wiggle room there. So investing in something like Gauntlet or some of your pilots are, you know, that's obviously, it's not just a thing that you do in your spare time now that you're you know in between GLs. It's actually something that's pretty important and should probably move up your priority list. Yeah, absolutely. I've been putting off uh, Biston SRP for so long. And then I find, you know, and I was just going to start with 
like, oh, let me just take one, I'll leave one at gear 12, because that's what's been talked about a lot. And then the more I got into it, the more I was like running the numbers, and the more I was like, this is what I want this Rebel fleet to do. I was like, nope, taking them both to R5. And I just, and now that I have an R5, I couldn't be happier. Like, I just, I just love it so much. Uh, Sarah, I know you were working on those teams. Did you get your business SRP up? Uh, do you take them both up to R5, mm-hmm. uh, to Relic? Um, they are gear 12 now. So oh, okay. they'll be, they'll be relic next. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. got to take them over, but, um, yeah, I, like I, when, when fleets were first introduced, I was like, okay, cool. And kind of engaged with it and then didn't. And then like, it's, this is like the biggest thing that I see. And I see this all the time now, especially in, um, like YouTube comments People are like, oh, well, I don't care about ships because I'm an early game player. I'm like, you have, you can't ignore them because it's going to be so painful to catch up later. Like, especially, um, I know, Vox, and you were saying earlier that, like, our fleet shards, some people were were easier to climb in them or, like, whatever. My fleet shard's pretty stagnant. Like, I've been really fortunate mm-hmm. with that. Um, but there are, I know people who don't have stagnant shards. Like, I know people when Executor, one of my officers, when Executor first came out, he would regularly fall like he would climb to one and regularly every single day fall to the fifties and have Mm -hmm. to climb back up every, like every single day. Um, So obviously there is that, but because there's just so much emphasis on, on crystal income now being tied only in fleet arena, now that it's out and in, in grand arena instead, it's just so much more important. And then, with the three defenses on grand arena, what I've been seeing in, in my case is a lot of people can't clear my fleets. Like you just run out of capital ships and it's not even executor. That's the problem child. It's empire, mm-hmm. which is uh, I think it's kind of humorous. I always thought executor would be the problem child, um, mm-hmm. but it's that, that tie in interceptor is making people struggle. I regularly get three attempts on my fleet and then it just sits there. Yeah, I'm really excited. Go ahead, please. I'm sorry. It was like everybody leaves that for last. They clear, you know, they'll they'll do executor first and then negotiator, whatever else you put on defense. And then they're taking their third best offensive fleet against Empire, which Mm -hmm. is a recipe for disaster because that fleet is a monster now. Yeah. Yeah. Even with like my, my, um, I mean, I know she's only a reinforcement, but my second sister is still only gear 12. And I mean, I'm not complaining. But it's, it's just humorous. And I think that that is, that's a huge difference between winning and losing now. Even in Territory War, like for our guild, if we don't get to fleets before uh, like midnight Eastern time in Territory War, we're not going to win. Mm. Which is crazy because there's only two zones of fleets and there's eight of, of squads. But it's so much easier to clear eight zones of, of squads than it is to get through two zones of fleets, right? So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so funny where like I used to get knocked, you know, in arena, get knocked down to like 30s or 40s, right, every day and you would climb. But then it's like, if you get knocked into the teens in fleet, you're just like, oh, my God, can't play, <laughs> like, have to climb from the teens. This yeah. might take like all of my attempts for the day like i have to do like four attempts today. Yep. So I just think that's kind of funny even still now like, it, I just, you know, it's not a burden at all. I mean, I'm pretty good. Well, it is a little bit more of a burden because I mean, in arena, you just hit auto, you know, with the latest like mm-hmm. 
when we were all running the JMK teams, but uh, you really have to be mindful, you know, and play out those executor matches. Um, but uh, yeah, lots of other good stuff to mention there. Uh, I wanted to just quickly before we dive in and talk about a couple of things, a couple of resources that I will post in the um, in our Discord, um, a couple of resources that are also invaluable on the ship Discord, and that is a ship stats calculator, which will allow you to calculate um, how much speed a ship is going to get based on your upgrades. So like if you're looking to get a ship up to a certain level, um, which, you know, just, I was just talking about like the Biston, um, Biston Ewing, you know, cause for that uh, counter, then why I took them kind of up to R5 is for the counter where you're taking rebels against a three attacker lineup in, um, with the executor, um, I was kind of seeing it in um, arena here and there. And the uh, first order fleet does not work very well uh, against mm -hmm. the three attacker lineup. And so I was kind of just thinking like, oh, I just kind of like to practice and play around. And I was looking it up in order for the rebels to have a chance against that squad your srp has to be faster than the executor which means it's got to get that 193 i think 194 speed um and uh you basically need an r5 there but with the ship calculator you know I, I could have just plugged that in figured out exactly what i needed you know or how far to take um each one because i think you can get away with like an r4 on one of those guys um and i could have figured out exactly like what i needed to do to reach that level and if in fact, I think one of the things I'm going to play around with that next is with my Akbar. Mm -hmm. uh, plug him in because uh, that's one of my big questions I have for Savitar as well, talking about whether uh, Akbar needs relics um, for the Rebel fleet. Uh, and that would help me kind of figure that out. And then also, as I'm gearing up my gauntlet, um, I can kind of figure out, you know, my target for where I want my gauntlet to be and use that resource. So that'll be in there. And then um, also, I think one of the biggest areas of the game where you know we may have a semblance of like how things work but really don't it's a big unknown is reinforcement order tiers right like why you know all the time like people put down four reinforcements and they throw um plows ship in there but then like closed ship never reinforces right and so it's mm -hmm. like you can really like have a deeper understanding of those reinforcement tiers and uh why why one ship may come in uh um, over another so um that's another resource in there and then also uh in Savitar, maybe you can talk about this a little bit as well you don't want to jump in on any of this stuff um i had also mentioned um and all Beal put out like an hour long uh, YouTube video that's exceptional that kind of goes over, which we're going to touch on a lot of the same stuff, but he really um, took a grand arena focus on ships. Uh, and he put out an hour long video basically like right after they made the ship change. Um, and there's just a ton of invaluable information in there. And he said that, uh, yeah, you helped him put that together. Yeah. Um he's obviously he puts out a lot a lot of good content and especially with the slides that he makes um so we've always shared information and it's been you know posted on fleet server and things like that because um they're just good resources and so um yeah he he did you know obviously by far most of the work on all of it and sometimes the information's out there but you know he solicited feedback and, and got some extra information from us and kind of worked that in and 
you know, I learn stuff from him all the time too, um, because he's always trying out new things. But um, yeah, I thought his guide was very, very useful. And he was able to actually you know, throw it together, I think, fairly quickly after that announcement, the, the change to three fleets, um, so that everybody was in the mid middle of panicking about what they were going to do. And and all puts out this uh, one hour video. Yeah, I really um, think it's breaking a must it down watch. for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, so often CG does this where they like make a big change and we all think like, okay, like we're going in this direction or something, right? Like, okay, they had this like huge change with ships and it's like they've created the problem. Now they're going to sell us the solution. And then it's Always. like, no, they're going to abandon the problem. <laughs> You know, and then like by the time they come to give us a solution, like it's of nine months to a year later, like we've adapted, like with what we have, like, <laughs> I mean, at what point, like, do we need to buy the solution now? Like I figured the whole thing out, you know, uh, for the most part, you know, or end all, you know, uh, the player base, you know, really uh, breaks it down for everyone. And so that's a kind of what I'm hoping to do a little bit here, but uh, I will say, yeah, end all video is a must watch um, for anyone uh, looking to excel or get better at Grand Arena especially so um yeah and i certainly hope <laughs> as we had mentioned uh you know we did see the data mine that we have more ships coming mm -hmm. uh, but yes uh you know that seemed like that was months ago and uh yeah i'm still waiting for any more new ships <laughs> like let's get just I, I want just steady just it's one ship one one ship what every month every two months like i don't know if that's too much to might ask be, for that just we get like a steady steady flow ships might be due for another conquest ship oh we okay have, what one is okay so it's almost it's almost july and executor came out when october or november last year something like that so I wonder if we do get, you know, like a couple of marquee ships and maybe a conquest ship that you need to unlock profundity. And it would put you around the one year mark from executor. Mm. Still be half the time of the negotiator meta. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, I think like a lot of people expect to get a new fleet, but I am not going to be surprised if this new fleet is not, it will not be like a hard or even soft counter to the executor, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I think we even saw that with like Inquisitors lately, where it's like, yeah, it'll be like GLs or whatever. And it actually is, but, but um, you know, uh, I think we were all hoping for, you know, something that would be sold to us that would be, you know, do it's time for something to, you know, uh, power creep. But uh, yeah, you know, we continue not to see it. But uh, even if we had, you know, or even when we got like the extra ships for first order and Radis, we all like had high hopes, like, well, these take us over the hump. And of course, like the first order fleet's amazing. Like, oh my God, I love that fleet so much. And it, you know, is I think the more consistent uh, off meta executor counter over uh, malevolence now, which we'll talk about more later. Uh, but uh but yeah, again, I think just time again, we, we, we kind of cross our fingers, like hoping, you know, we'll get that creep. But I, I and I, again, I, I hope, but uh, I won't be disappointed. I have no expectations that it'll actually, you know, uh, if we get a uh, profundity or something that it'll. Well, if you go back to that post, I think when they mm -hmm. introduced uh, Outrider, 
mm-hmm. one of the Q&A questions said, will this you know, beat the executor? And the answer was, this will not allow a home one led rebel fleet to beat the executor. Okay. And since that moment, everybody's yeah. been thinking, okay, mm-hmm. well, which rebel ship is it going to be? And that was right. what started. I think that's what started the profundity speculation was, okay, well, what ship are you going to give us? So right. obviously yeah. if it's not home one, it's going to be something else. So mm-hmm. I think the only question in some of our minds is, are we going to have two a plus rebel fleets or right. one a plus executor counter rebel fleet and then does that relegate home one to like a, a b minus like c plus fleet that can only counter rabbits or malevolence or whatever because you've stolen some of the key ships like what happens to the leftovers right 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 and it does seem like there's room there for two fleets um for sure. I mean, at least that faction has two tanks. So maybe they're already kind of thinking ahead about that. I guess I just worry what it's like taking bigs off of that because it's so nice that Biston can trigger his taunt. Um, but uh, I think that's a great spot to, you know, and that will actually only came out two months ago. So, you know, maybe they are still, well, I guess almost three months now that we're into July, but um yeah, uh, you know, maybe they are. Maybe they are on track. Maybe we'll get another ship within three months. How exciting. <laughs> so um, with that, uh, I don't think there is any other place to really start other than the executor. Uh, I mean, I don't know that we can say anything that hasn't already really been said. Um, I do want to uh, discuss a couple things um, with it, though. Um, particularly, I think, for my own perspective to kind of add in here, um, everyone has the executor maxed, you know? And I, I mean, I won't say everyone, of course, but uh, I mean, even as I think the Gambit were saying, like um, on one of their episodes, um, Solo Base was talking about like, I don't know anyone who hasn't maxed their executor. And it's like, no, that's me. I'm doing the slow grind. Um, and I guess I wanted to kind of, um, I don't know if, a lot of people are having experience with this or success with this, but you know, I have personally like no problem beating maxed out executors with my understarred fleet, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of caveats there that have allowed me to like execute that counter properly. Um, and one of the um, biggest parts of that is that I have clocked my team so that my Xanadu blood goes before my Razor Crest. And so that does mean that I have a weaker Razor Crest, which makes it more vulnerable to getting uh, taken out. But for the most part, with my six-star executor at this point, even I was having relative success at five-star, but with the six-star, it jumps in. And actually the first move you want in that case, with basically any case with your an executive mirror where the other executor goes first, your first move is to use the heal, not the AOE. And so from there, basically, um, Houndstooth doesn't taunt, and then their XB goes, because I also have my XB clocked slower than the opponent's XB, basically in every instance. And so then when my XB goes, Houndstooth isn't taunting, and I can put target on, um, put, uh, gosh, what is it? Is it target on, um, 
their XB and then Houndstooth goes and just obliterates it, just calls XB to assist. And now their XB is gone basically within my first like three or four moves. Um, and from there, it's a lot, pretty easy to like manage the match with like the typical counter, uh, you know, bringing in um, the Ibn Hawk, um, you know, to get that chaff on and uh, keep them getting the target lock. And then I just am able to get to uh, ultimate first and uh, get that win. So um, I don't know for a lot of players how feasible that is at this point. Like if you've maxed your Razor Crest, it's pretty difficult or you've maxed, you know, if you've invested, mm -hmm. you know, your uh, BAM um, beyond a certain point, it gets a lot more difficult to clock it properly. Um, certainly you can like mess with mods and, you know, increasing um, your uh, Xanadu blood and um, that pilot uh, more, but, uh, but yeah, definitely I would suggest for anyone undersized who might have, been, have trouble with that counter. Um, yeah, that's definitely the way to go. And I don't know, um, do you have much experience with people discussing that um, the under, under geared under starred you know counter to executor um it still happens yeah. um i mean we still like i said there's a lot of mid-game players on there that are probably gearing up for executor and locking for the first time and so every now and then you know, someone's popping it and asking them how to beat it and yeah there's discussion i know bit dynasty has a video specifically for like a five versus seven star battle oh, okay. that a lot of people go um go for for uh advice um I actually have my uh, Razor Crest and Xanadu clocked the same way you do. Mm -hmm. uh, just because I used resources elsewhere, I probably should have invested more in, in BAM a long time ago. But mm. um, it's a similar strategy anyway. If, if Razor Crest goes first, you just use the basic first on, on Houndstooth instead. And then you just kind of wait for it to circle back around. And you can still use Xanadu's assist to get your mark. And then you're just kind of off way to the races but it's just a matter of making sure that you don't trigger houndstooth's taunt at the wrong time you know mm -hmm. but it's, it's a very similar battle the only time that it's actually annoying to have your razor crest slower situations like that is when you actually run into a razor crest that's even slower than yours <laughs> which i have i don't i have two of those on my fleet chart and so obviously it's it's very annoying to go try to go around those guys just because i have to go in and then i'll just you can still win in the current setup, but it's more of a dogfight. It's just easier for me to take two mods off of Razor Crest and two mods off of CAD um, and then hop back in and then it, the battle's back to normal. But um, it's just strange how an under-invested fleet is kind of an advantage sometimes. It is a weird like thing to think about because I remember um, there were a few people that were just pointing they're like, it's weird that you're purposely making your pilots weaker like you're taking off mods right to manipulate that speed and turn order so mm -hmm. you can get the get the win that way um so it's just an interesting thing yeah my cad loadout is missing mods yep for that yeah. specific yeah. reason and, yeah. and nobody wants to go into gac lock with uh, mods missing from bam it's just not really an option for a yeah it's actually right useful yeah. in, in the squad mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, and Mark was it. Um, yeah, and I find too. Um, sometimes I I typically prefer not to use that uh, the basic from 
my executor because if uh, if the Xanadu, and I guess typically the Xanadu hasn't gone, so I have to think about that, but uh, more or less, like, I just have to really make sure that if Xanadu is out of stealth, that I don't do anything that might trigger that stealth again, so that when my Xanadu does go, he, you know, can get that mark on, so mm-hmm. um yeah, that works uh, really great. And I've had a lot of success um, with that. And I, I uh, now that I'm at six star, it's gotten a lot more, a little more consistent. I was doing it at five star, but I don't feel like um, it was consistent enough because a lot of times the AOE would at five star, the AOE comes in and then your ship doesn't jump in fast enough to save the razor crest before like the other mm-hmm. two or three attacks that happen on to kill it but now it's six starts like the aoe comes and then i jump in and like i heal it and so it doesn't even like lose its first whatever stack you know that's, right. that's um, a good point and then mm-hmm. um you know and then they can still tee off on it and you know i cleanse off you know the uh uh marked the mark it's a lot of times the mark doesn't happen on it yet but it still has um target lock the breach target like all a bre- it, yeah. breach especially yeah breach was the other mm-hmm. thing yeah i'm going to be searching for words here off and on um as we go through this so thank you for filling that in um but yeah and then basically it's for the most part ready to go from there and it still will get um the mark on it sometimes but um usually it's rare that it gets killed and i'm able to Um, manage it from there so um so yeah that's been really great and then i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the different lineups with the executor um i think there are a couple situational lineups there's of course the traditional lineup that everyone runs razor crest uh houndstooth and xanadu blood um but i think there's a lot more uh RNG, if you can throw in the IG-2000 in that starting lineup, Um, but this a lot of times is based on an opponent not having a good rebel fleet, which a lot of opponents won't have, you know, spent the time on bringing up their Biston U-Wing. So um, a lot of times, you know, that IG-2000 can really mess stuff up and then XB coming in with um, the retribution can really uh yeah i mean i've it's definitely screwed up you know my own counters a lot of time um so i wasn't sure uh savitar if you had kind of any preference there on you know between those two lineups you mentioned like not being able to auto your fleet battles on your climb but the the triple attacker lineup is one that you you basically can if you're Mm. if you're faster and you go first you're gonna win it's the fleet just works and you're gonna you're gonna beat them to the ult basically every time. Okay, um, yeah, with but the you're right, but you're not gonna, counter on the triple attack. Yeah, and you're never okay. you're never gonna leave that on defense because um, or at least there's a lot of reasons you don't put executor on defense, but yeah, like one of the reasons you wouldn't set that is because your opponent would have really good rebels. Now the caveat being they could have really good rebels. And if you look at the GAC history, the, all the data on it, like people still lose because I just don't think a lot of people understand how to play it. Mm-hmm. They're still trying to beat Razor Crest first or something. You can't kill Razor Crest twice before Houndsuit comes out. So you have to um, you have to kill IG2000. And then if you do it correctly, it's a pretty easy win. You're, you might lose bigs especially if you still have them at R3 um, or whatever requirement. Um, 
but um, even when you lose him, it's still not a big deal. You're still going to win. Yeah, I think the only issue that it can lose, especially, is that RNG factor of the assists. Because sometimes, like, and this it did happen to me because I was, you know, someone left it in arena. And so I was like, oh, I get to play around and test. And if your Millennium Falcon doesn't assist, like, on your on both attacks, like on that IG two thousand, a lot of times you don't get the kill, and then it gets away from you. Like you, all of a sudden, like it's healing up, and you're not getting back to it fast enough, and like it's, and then you don't kill it, and then all of a sudden the battle's like out of hand because um, you really need to get that IG two thousand down, like in that first volley, and then yeah, even if you lose, you know your. Um, uh, a big ship uh you can recover so um yeah that isn't a big deal but i i have found that times you lose are when like you get the bad rng on the assists and you don't get that ig 2000 out right away which i think i'm trying to think of yeah who yeah, has it, a, a it heals hit on that yeah it's also going to get foresight and then mm-hmm. there's another attack that's not going to land so right um and yeah, it was, it was Bit Dynasty, of course it was. Um, yeah, who just has another, yeah, really great guide on doing the uh, Rebels against the triple attackers. So um, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, and yeah, it's kind of fun. Actually, we kind of been um, mixing it up a little bit with um, in TW, um, so, well, I won't say <laughs> we have, I'm not trying to go away any of our guild's uh, TW defense, but I was just thinking that with TW, it can be good to kind of mix up if you're putting executors um, on the battlefield because, you know, just kind of to keep people off their toes rather than just putting like all the same standard lineup because, you know, a lot of people don't have experience with the rebels versus whatever and someone or, you know, the executive mirror in that case. And so someone might jump in, not know what they're doing and you can get a hold, you know, just kind of by putting those small variations in places um, where someone might go in thinking, you know, a little cocky. So um, yeah, it's kind of interesting too, that with GA, you know, we really, when the ship change first happened, it was like, everyone put your executor on defense and, you know, we've really seen a shift from that now where, you know, the real recommendation, uh, I feel like from most places I see is to keep the executive for offense. Yeah, I mean, like in Territory Wars, I don't think it's a secret that in, if you're in a bigger guild, the chances of you matching against a guild that has the first order counter up and running is a lot higher, the bigger you yeah. are. So if you're looking for ways to make that cover... Um, then the triple attacker fleet is the answer to that. And so then you just kind of force their hand, try to get them to use rebels. And then it's just a, a matter of seeing how many banners they drop along the way. Are they mm-hmm. more efficient with first order or with rebels? But yeah, in GAC, it's a, I don't know, it's kind of like a, like a flow chart situation. Like you have to look and see, does your opponent have the first order um, counter set up and if they do well then you're probably not going to leave executor on defense for them to just have easy shot at you know and it's also if they leave their executor on defense if you don't have the first order counter up and running those mirrors are high banner wins and high banner wins are valuable Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, kind of a tit for tat situation all of the time. Um, and then, you know, I would love to see the data on like, you know, because with that first order counter, I feel like it's relatively cheap. I think a lot of people, you know, first order is a great investment. It gets to a GL. And then, you know, basically you can counter an executor by basically just leveling your taking your first order officer and your care and your crew, you know, into like high relics. And, you know, I think your hucks, you know, the higher, the better, but, you know, you're talking like three tunes you might already have for relics, or you're going to get bang for your buck out of them anyway. And now all of a sudden you've got like one of the most consistent, you know, executor counters in the game. And it just seems like a relatively cheap slash easy investment, you know, to get into the ballpark for an executive counter compared to like, you know, rebels, which, you know, or you're really to make that team viable. You really need that Vista new wing, which is two characters. You're not really using anywhere. They're not really getting you anything. And it's, those are like two, just those two are like a steep investment in the, in the gear that they're mm-hmm. required. Cause I mean, we still have a, the Carbonti crunch quote unquote. Um, and yeah, I would just love to see the in-game data for like how many like viable first order fleets there are like in the player base compared to like how many viable like rebel fleets are in the player base, even though like the rebels have been around so much longer i mean god knows like i i just got my business newing in the last you know couple months you know in the last month even you know like mm-hmm. and uh i've had my first order done you know as soon as the echelon came out i just went all in on that so um yeah i so think I, it I think comes down to if people actually have echelon and if it's five stars or not i think you know it's that's the bare minimum really yeah sure. I guess yeah. people are still grinding on the echelon out there to some extent. I, I mean, I know Sarah and I both went kind of hard because, uh, yeah, the uh, executor count is just so valuable. Mm-hmm. And uh, being one of the best out there, I think it's worth it to, you know, whatever you decide to put um, well, into it. Is, yeah. And a lot of the Rebel pilots aren't needed for uh, like a GL. Like a lot of Rebel pilots just aren't relic, right? Yeah. So, yet exactly yet <laughs> but but that's the thing right so like a lot of people will look and a lot of people do go for kylo or, or were going for kylo early on so you're yeah. kind of like i have them relict already so then your fleet is just kind of there and strong by default um versus like rebels like for me i just took akbar gear 12 like a month ago i was like oh i Mm. probably should do that so i can give you some six stop mods or something you know um just because like he wasn't needed so i never Mm. really paid attention to him uh so yeah i think that is probably a factor too even though like the rebel fleet is considerably older Mm -hmm. right right well for so long i mean you know the rebel fleet was meta for a time and mm-hmm. um you know even when the rebel fleet was meta you know I, I always really was jealous and looked up to the like two people that had the biston ewing like maxed out all the way back then you know um and you know you're still able to beat them without that investment but you know ever since then it's like been something i've always wanted and it was just really nice to finally pull the trigger on it mm-hmm. so um, and yeah, and then, you know, and I kind of waffled here and there because, you know, I was going to do this months ago and then the, um, why, why do I have so much trouble with words? Um, 
the Outrider came out and I was just like, oh, well, is the Outrider going to replace it? Am I going to regret working on Bistons Ewing now that I can just like wait a month and then max out the Outrider and it'll do the same thing? But um, we'll discuss a little bit more of the merits of the two of those. But uh, yeah, I just zero regrets. Like I think Bistons Ewing is still better than the Outrider um, in a number of ways and instances. And uh, yeah, even if you're kind of on the fence for going for one or the other, uh, I would say wholeheartedly, yeah, absolutely go for uh, Bistons Ewing. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that, yeah, um, let's uh, move on to Negotiator a little bit. and talk about some of the, the you know, <laughs> the fall from grace almost, you know, like, <laughs> the, like negotiator used to be like the top of the line, obviously, you know, executor came out and put negotiator in its place. But just as we're alluding to a little bit earlier, you know, the new empire fleet, you know, has I feel like kind of taken the place or at least at the same level now where like the negotiator was i I think people kind of fear you know those empire fleets um you know as much as the negotiator we've kind of figured out you know beating negotiators they have a couple more counters now that Mm -hmm. uh you know the empire fleet uh doesn't so uh it's been kind of interesting seeing uh the change with um yeah the negotiator um place in the game um and yeah to talk a little bit about lineups you know i think that you know negotiator has a lot of variety in lineups um zareth actually just put out a great new video on countering empire fleets using using the negotiator mm-hmm. um and there's um a real interesting dynamic between you know fives and you know fives kind of being a liability in starting lineups um and Mm -hmm. in endall's um video he actually had a couple of things i thought found really fascinating one you know he pointed out that fives can be a good plug and play in situations where you want to trigger an opponent's ship to go like out of turn order and i had never really kind of thought about that but then also when you pair that with like yeah five is kind of a liability in like a starting negotiator lineup like it becomes like oh yeah like we can kind of move him out or play around with his place in the game um and then yeah and was saying one of the best uh, if you're like placing negotiator on d um one of the best ships to put in that lineup is the is rex's ship um and so uh yeah Savitar, did you want to kind of jump in and uh give any insights you have kind of on negotiator yeah i mean you're definitely right it's better sort of like falling from grace um you know, we figured out a lot of things to counter uh, negotiator almost everything at this point can counter negotiator except for radis um Poor Radis. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I had high hopes, but um, yeah, I mean, tip, that's the, the the lineup you see most often is the one with Rex, um, uh, the Y wing, and then obviously Anakin starting. Um, I think the biggest thing for that fleet, if you're going to put it on defense, or even if you use it for offense, like you're not using four ships. Why you don't? Right. There's almost no fleet in there's no fleet in this game that requires four reinforcements and so mm-hmm. when people say well we don't have enough ships to make 
you know, eight, nine, 10, whatever, full fleets. You don't need 10 full fleets. You just need like two, maybe three reinforcements for most of these fleets. Um, so if you're putting too many ships on defense, you hinted at this earlier, your reinforcement order is going to get messed up because the AI is going to pull certain ships. Some ships have higher priorities than others basically all the time. Mm-hmm. But then there's kind of these weird sub-tiers where ships will come out based on certain AI conditions, battlefield conditions that change all the time. So it's impossible to predict. Fives is one that's going to jump ahead. It's going to jump ahead of Ahsoka. It's going to jump ahead of Plo. And those are ships you want to come out early. Um, so if you could force Plo, force Ahsoka to come out earlier, then your chances of maybe stripping banners or maybe even sneaking a hold in there um, go up a little bit. But if if five comes out early, you know, your Anakin's not getting that feel. Yeah, absolutely. Point. I think, and this is something I, you just can't hammer home enough with, especially placing ships on defense. I, I can't really think of any instance like you would ever put four ships in a reinforcement. You know, you're, you're, if you're going to get a hold or you're going to whatever, you know, uh, I mean, I guess if you have like four bounty hunter ships, I could see that being a case because I think the executor would have a chance to like, you know, even if it, to get a hold and then, you know, you can keep bringing out ships, you know, that mm-hmm. might continue to like be an issue. But for the most part, you know, if you're placing a negotiator or, you know, even a malevolence on defense, you know, you're wasting a ship in that fourth slot and you're potentially ruining your reinforcement order with the third slot. So you really have to kind of be aware of the ship's dynamic and the reinforcement enforcement tier orders which you know again to plug um that uh sheet that they have over there on the fleet discord um it's really great and now you even were saying you know reinforce with plo and ahsoka and i think that's kind of interesting because from my knowledge or like from what i've heard you know a lot of common um, practice with the negotiator fleet is to put in plo and um the uh, star, uh, consular's starfighter um, because that's like the only other ship of like Galactic Republic ships that like has a lower uh, reinforcement yeah. order than Plo. Yeah, ah- Ahsoka will, she's weird because her reinforcement thing is kind of tricky. We've kind of maybe figured out that um, if there are a lot of ships with like enemy ships with buffs on the field, um, it'll jump over certain things, but it depends on what the AI is targeting because it's going to check for buffs on the targeted ship, we think. Um, mm. oh and so God. it'll, so it'll jump. It's kind of weird. It's, you just have to see it over and over and over again to figure stuff like that out. It's mostly because Ahsoka is still, it's a good ship. It has, you know, that cleanse and pretty good offense you might need to pack a little bit of an extra punch here and there so like there's nowhere else for it to go and so if i'm setting a third um, ship with negotiator it's going to be uh it's going to be jc it's going to you know that'll because it just it's not going to go anywhere else either so mm-hmm. and i know it's probably not gonna that one's probably not going to screw up the, the reinforcement order a little bit but mm-hmm. you know with other fleets there's actively you know how often do you get to the third reinforcement in your executor battles where that 
reinforcement actually still matters. A lot of times the battle is decided by the second reinforcement. Uh, well, one of the other standard lineups, you know, is the Jedi, JKA, and Y-Wing, and then putting, yeah, Ahsoka in that starting lineup, so you kind of have that extra offense, and then reinforcing with Plo and Consular, um, so that you get, like, Plo coming in. I think this is kind of like the standard, like, Mal, you know, try to mess up the Malevolence counter um, mm-hmm. lineup. Can you talk a little bit about, like, the merits of, like, one over the other, or you know, your own preference on that, those two kind of different comps? What I used to run on Arena was the ASFA starting lineup because I just, that was more fun. Um, but I feel like in either situation, it's probably not going to hold, but you at least have a chance to get Valor. At least with Rex, you're getting Valor uh, out there faster. You're kind of getting things going um, to where you're like making it harder. Um, yeah okay maybe introducing a little bit more of an rng element in but there. I, I feel like when you really get down to brass text maybe between ahsoka and rex and the starting lineup you're kind of splitting hairs because mm. i don't ex- at least when you're if you have a competent opponent i don't expect either one to do very much but um i, I ran the ahsoka one a lot it, it feels like that was another lifetime but that was, <laughs> that was the fleet that i ran yeah Okay, great. And then, yeah, can you talk a little bit about like uh, Clone Sarge, uh, you know, being in there? Uh, oh, I, I see you were saying, uh, yeah. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about like a Clone Sarge and uh, where he might come in? Yeah. If you're I've using him once you're negotiating. I've always split Clone Sarge off or usually split him off uh, and stuck him with Radis mm-hmm. um, because when they didn't have a tank, that was um, a surefire way to have something on the field with a taunt um, that wasn't specific to, even though he's going to talk about or what. Um, and so even with Star Fortress, I still kind of just left him in, in those reinforcements. And sometimes it, it helps because if I need to stall a little bit longer to get to that ult um, or just to take the heat off of the Falcon or off of Poe's X-Wing, uh, just to wait, get one more turn and, and get a kill shot off so that, Clone Sarge is useful there, but if you are looking for opportunities, I think just keep him with um, with Negotiator. Um, if you scouted your opponent and they like to use Rebels and it's something that they, it's like they rely heavily on, the, the Clone Sarge could mess it up a little bit um, just because there's going to force that taunt and there's not really a way around it until they just beat it down and get rid of that protection. Mm-hmm. point yeah that's great and there's a lot of um different tips as well for running the rebel counter on negotiator which uh yeah i think we'll talk a little bit more once we probably get to the um rebel fleet um well actually i actually think i do want to bring it up here yeah um because the standard um, counter for rebels uh, against negotiator is to um, take Jedi Knight Anakin's ship into the yellow to trigger so you don't get the AOE and then um, from there you can bring in um, you kind of just manage it and then bring in Cassian's U-Wing to dispel um, and uh, actually it's kind of like a one, two, three punch first, like take it into the yellow. And so like, you don't get the AOE days 
and then take it into stealth, like take off the stack from it and then bring in Cassian's U-Wing, which will dispel it. And then you can like immediately kill um, JKA's ship. And then it's pretty much like a done deal from there. Uh, yeah. As long as you can kind of manage that one, two, three sequence of events, uh, it's a great counter now for Negotiator. It's, it's pretty reliable. I know you just have to have clock your ships, right? This thing always mm-hmm. has to be faster than your Falcon for that yes. to work because you want him mm-hmm. to, to trigger that assist, you know, stick to, you know, when in doubt, you pretty much always stick to using um, the basic with the Falcon. You don't want to use that wiggle too early in case you get phased or just in case you know, something's kind of a waste. You don't, you don't really need to use it. Um, but yeah, it's just, that's the recipe for any any negotiator counter is to get one of those ships into the yellow so that it's going to use, mm-hmm. it's not going to use the AOE days. Um, and then like you said, um, if you get to the point where you can call Cassian, just spell the buffs, nuke, um, and can ship. And then I think you just kind of coast to the, the finish line there. Yeah, absolutely. Um... And yeah, if, if there's one thing that we can just harp on enough over and over and over again, which Endall was saying is that, yeah, like for a proper, like good Rebels fleet, number one rule is your, you, Fist and U-Wing has to be um, yeah. faster speed than your Millennium Falcon. So um, always shoot for that. Uh, Endall <laughs> kind of says it over and over and over again, but it's, uh, it's just... So relevant. Um, yeah, so that's really great. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, one thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about was, yeah, the mirror with Negotiator. Now, I feel like uh, typically, you know, we all have that, you know, R9, um, GK for the requirements, and or the R8, right, for the requirements. R8, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it's down to a coin flip. I feel like I always lose that coin flip. Like when I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I'm just going to use my mirror here. And I mean, when you lose that coin flip, like you are done. Like it, you it's like ugly. get destroyed like hmm. so fast. Like it's so nearly, it, 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 I think I've recovered maybe once ever. Um, but yeah, it's just like, what is happening? Like, I thought this would be somewhat, and it's just so interesting because for the longest time, I think we were running that mirror, you know, in arena, but now it's just like, what? But it happened? wasn't fun then either. We just yeah. kind of <laughs> That's forgot right. about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and now I just, I just feel like I get destroyed all the time. But the good news here is, is that there has been a couple of strategies now that can really help you turn the tide of that mirror in your favor. Um, and one of them, um, which was, uh, which is pointed out is that, you know, you can use fives in your starting lineup, which can manipulate the TM of the opponent's Y wing, um, which my, which I actually, I want you to talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah. Do you want to just jump in and kind of, um, hit me with, uh, how that works? Yeah, I mean, well, I'll preface it by saying, like, I, I don't think I've used the, I don't think I've done a mirror in mm. a really, really long time, probably it's not just since the, the meta. Dumb, I've, huh? I've yeah, always, don't do it. Okay. I've always yeah, had, mirror. I've had this and stuff up and running for, I think, literally years now, so I feel like mm. that's always kind of been my, 
my go-to because mirrors, like okay. you said, they get messy. Weird stuff can happen. Yeah. Um, and so I've always just gravitated towards the off-meta counter because back okay. then it was, you still put negotiator on defense and then it was still harder for your opponent. So, you know, if you could do that, um, then that was, that was your advantage. And so, um, yeah, that, I mean, you can do some things there that, that kind of help make the mirror easier. Um, and I know Endall, I think he made a point about this with like TIE Fighter Pilot. I was just going to bring up TIE Fighter Pilot as well, if you can mm-hmm. slot him in now, if you're not needing it for the executive counter with Malevolence. Yeah, yeah I mean, if the Malevolence counter wasn't still busted, if that Vulture Joy bug uh, ever gets fixed, then that immediately shoots Malevolence. I mean, it, it gets it's useful again. For, for a lot of people, if that's what you want to do with malevolence, is use it to counter executor because you need that that ship there. But right now, that's not really working, and you don't need Tie Fighter Pilot in your Empire fleet necessarily, um, especially if you have Gauntlet because Gauntlet is really really good if you've got it geared up, especially um, you know over like a gear twelve plus a handful of three, four, five gear pieces, whatever. Um, when mm-hmm. you get to that point, gauntlet speed and survivability becomes kind of viable. And so yeah. you can start to think about putting it on the starting lineup. Um, and then you don't need TIE Fighter Pilot. So they can do things like that in the negotiator fleet. Um, just because, you know, you're going to, you're going to get that um, foresight and then you just um, kind of, I, I feel like they just start to prioritize um, TIE Fighter Pilot. Fives is a good example we said earlier in the mirrors of um, he hits that chip and then all of a sudden the terminator gets thrown off and then you know that helps you um which is mm. which is really helpful but um yeah i don't know it's um it's interesting i've never really i don't like doing that a whole lot um, mm-hmm. like i said i don't i don't do the mirrors very often so i've never i don't really need tie fighter pilot to to do that so um i did try <laughs> Last week I did try the. You um, did. I did try the uh, Tie Fighter. I did the Malevolence counter um, oh. on on Executor and uh, didn't go well <laughs> because <laughs> of the. You know, I just wanted to still see like what what I could get away with. But yeah. In a situation like that, without the, when you're reliably not assisting, um, you know, you're probably looking at a cleanup and situations like that, but. Um, yeah, the consistency is only like continued to go down with the encounter mm-hmm. on the executor. I mean, especially with like the executor quote unquote buff, you know, now that it targets the weakest ship, like really hurt that counter. And then, yeah, like the not getting those assists. Um, but yeah, I think with the um, TIE Fighter pilot, it's still fast enough that it outspeeds everything on that negotiator lineup so it can get that foresight up and then put your ship back in the lead on the TM if you're like throwing that in your opening lineup. Is the, I think that's the strategy for putting TFP in there. Yeah, basically, because it is, what do we have in that? What's the requirement? R5, R3? Because he, he maxes out at like 213. Nobody has him at, at R9, but you know he's mm. still going to be easily over like the 20 something the, yeah. the, he's going to be easily be over the mid 290 or 190s um which is where most of the executive fleets like hanging out or yeah. i'm sorry mm-hmm. where most of the negotiator fleets hanging out yeah okay that makes yeah a lot of sense it's great um 
Yeah, so that's really cool. And then, yeah, so I guess I'm just the idiot who was still thinking Negotiator was a good mirror counter. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you lose that enough. And it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to not do that anymore. Um, and then, yeah, and so and now Negotiator just has so many counters. I mean, Malevolence was always a counter for it, um, which was, you know, kind of interesting. Uh, back in the day, I was just doing mirrors for a long time. I was like, and I think once you get good at like the Malevolence counter of Negotiator, it's almost preferred. It's almost easier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when back when we were just like doing it in Arena. Um, and then, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, yeah. The, um, and so where do you guys land on, you know, negotiators on offense or defense for, you know, GAs and TWs? I think it's kind of a stalwart for defense and TW these days. Oh, we, I mean, I'm not going to give away our plans, <laughs> we, but we almost never put it on yeah. defense. Okay. Not you, not your guild, but uh, you've heard. Yeah, yeah people yeah, never. Not my guild. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, yeah. Take the fifth on that one. They're gonna kick me out of the guild. If they start talking about stuff. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Well, you can just you can just say hearsay. Of, you know mm-hmm. things you've heard, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so. um, um, my negotiator usually lives on defense for Grand Arena for me, but I I I set a full full dick uh-huh. fleet defense. <laughs> You go full deck on your GA defense. Got it. Yeah. For fleet, I do. Uh, for her, that means empire. empire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, but yeah, I I I honestly think I hate the negotiator mirror more than the endurance or not endurance and executive, executive mirror. mirror. Okay, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I just find it so irritating. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, and with that, yeah, I guess we'll uh, move on from Executor uh, down to talk a little bit about Malevolence uh, here. Um, and then, yeah, Malevolence is pretty standard. I mean, you know, you really just have, um, for the most part, your, um, you know, there's not really too much variation on lineups i think with malevolence um i think there are maybe some cases where you save your uh gosh the um gosh the buzz droids i'm sorry not the buzz droids vulture droid vulture droid vulture droid thank you uh for a reinforcement um and yeah right uh and so yeah do you want to talk a little bit about um like some malevolence in different lineups. I mean, I, I think it's pretty straightforward, right? I mean, I feel like the two main ones are either you know you still have uh, some fact and um, mm-hmm. whatever the tank um, words are escaping me now too. Um, yeah. But the the difference <laughs> I think would just be like spy starting or ultra droid starting. Uh, yeah, a lot of times you know they they hit spy and he's gonna he's gonna stealth, but a lot of times they'll target ultra droid. And then your vulture droid dies pretty much no matter what, which is not a big deal because you can still, right? You're still going to win. Uh, yeah, you can. Bit, s- but. You'll get that other vulture droid that never assists. <laughs> yeah, now, but they didn't. <laughs> yeah. They fixed right. the other thing and then broke this thing. <laughs> oh, right. man. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's why, that's why for me, this one, I mean, it was on defense a lot because mm. 
Yeah. Kind of busted, but it's still going to kind of lead banners for, for people uh, sometimes because you're not well, really going to get like... out of there with, uh, you might lose, you're going to probably kill a ship, hopefully two, but you're, no one's coming out with full health and protection usually. Right. I feel uh, except like... for Empire. Empire is going to melt that oh, okay. fleet now, but. Okay. Well, I think a long time ago, you know, there was a situation where it was great for offense and you could get great banners because you would not need reinforcements. You know, you would basically just, you know, fill the field with like, you know, summoned vultures and then, yeah. you know, you would get the points yeah. from like not having the, um, yeah, that's the trade-off reinforcements. But yeah, now I feel like, yeah, it's just it, anytime you're using it on offense, it feels like it's low banners, you know, over a lot of other options. And yeah, like I haven't gotten to this point yet, but you know, after watching Endall's video, it's like, boy, I really want to get this sucker on defense, you know, mm-hmm. make it someone else's problem and figure out, um, <laughs> yeah, how to, you know, not rely on it, um, you know, on offense. So, yeah. Um, and I think too, I was going to mention that when I was using the malevolence a lot for my executor counter that really saves sun fact you know you really you, you were never going to get to a sun pack as a third reinforcement if you're doing the uh, counter mm-hmm. properly and so then that tank just kind of got to you know be a plug and play and then i would you know before we had a um tank for the radis you know it would shift it over there um and then uh it just you know i still don't know whether or not it might still be a better tank than the tank we have for the Radis, quite frankly. I feel like the tank we got for the Radis made the Radis fleet worse, but uh, we'll talk about that more uh, once we get down to the Radis. Uh, but um, but yeah, it was just kind of nice for a little while having that as a plug and play. But I think, yeah, for the most part now, you're going to typically keep your sun fact with your more lineup. Yeah, I feel uh, like that's where he he lives it does feel messier on offense now though with all these mm-hmm. with the bugs sadly yeah, yeah and then it's just unfortunate yeah because it's such a fun fleet yeah right when it's yeah when you're ganging up on stuff yeah <laughs> yeah um and then you know uh i think uh, and then, yeah, I guess I were just kind of mentioning, yeah, it's great on defense um, for GAC. So, um, yeah, I, I hope I can kind of get to that place as well, throwing it there. Um, yeah, it still then- works really well if you have an opponent who, for some stupid reason, puts finalizer on defense because mm-hmm. that's the one fleet that doesn't have any cleanse. There's no solution for buzz droids. So, okay, your, your opponent really doesn't know what they're doing and we finalizer then there you go that's the hot tip because i think my opponent this ga has finalizer on d so uh i'll uh make sure i utilize that <laughs> counter yeah in this case so um that'll be great and then um i guess with this moment i kind of because we can kind of talk about like how empire counters malevolence but you know this is like i'm really really excited like to talk about these juicy bits of like the Empire lineups and the Chimera and Executrix because 
this is an area where I think we've had like one of the most recent changes in swings slash shifts to like a lineup where it really is now one of the top three, you know, uh, fleets in the game. And, you know, it is harder to be on defense, but I think it's a much more viable tool as well now on offense. Like you can use it to like hard counter stuff. You never really would have thought of doing it before. And it can do a great job and get you good banners. And I'm really excited about this section because here's an area where like, I don't know enough. So like, I'm really hoping like (laughs) to pick your brain a little bit and like get more information on like how some of these counters work and like, you know, the powerhouse that is this fleet now that we have the TIE Interceptor. Um, And I guess kind of one of the places maybe we should just start off a little bit is with the TIE Interceptor um, coming in and its place and how it's affected this fleet. imagine 100% of the time you're really using it on reinforcement. And then um, can you uh, recommend like, right now I took mine to R5. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people taking it to R7. Do you recommend, like, where do you recommend taking your TIE Interceptor? Um, I think for most people, you're not gonna need, I'd have to go back and look. I don't know what the speed difference is at R5 versus R7, mm-hmm. if that matters for what you're going up against but as far as just you know hitting like a truck and just running over people r5 versus r7 is probably not going to be a material difference for a lot of people if mine is if sarah's or hers is still gear 12 my second sister is seven star gear 11 just because oh. i'm not i'm not rushing the grand inquisitor gear yet i'm doing some other things on the, along the way but um I don't need to take her to archive until I'm closer to getting the other shards done for the other inquisitors. But even at gear 11, gear 12, it's still steamrolling almost anything, mm-hmm. right? I think mm-hmm. technically it can counter all the fleets. You know, and mm-hmm. also said, uh, and I've seen people are can use uh, Empire to counter Executor. It's really hard. It's not very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it requires another, you know, speed check with Vader um, to be faster than executive. Yeah, they said R eight Vader is mandatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you have to you have to go first to get the uh, target lockout so that Imperial bomber will will taunt, and then it takes the brunt of the mass assist from Executor, and then but without that, it's just going to fall apart. But mm-hmm. it's not a very common counter because everybody has another option for it executive mirror or first order and so it's just far down the list of i think what most people are going to use it for mm-hmm. but yeah it's going to be it's a hard counter on offense to negotiator it's going to it absolutely melts malevolence it's just the battle's over in like 40 seconds you just you almost hit auto and just let it go really um, you can just auto okay don't hit auto and lose and then <laughs> you can try it i mean if you get someone to just test it for you in arena or something uh, like you could yeah it does all the time yeah i I will test Uh, that specific battle but you know it's it really is it's just gonna everything's gonna just die but it's for the most part that consistent yeah i don't know i don't think i think you'd have to go really out of your way to lose um, wow an empire versus 
malevolence battle on offense mm -hmm. with your interceptor as first reinforcement. Mm -hmm. And then what about your lineup? Are you, uh, is Gauntlet in that starting lineup for that? Or will it basically work with, you know, yeah, anything in that third slot for the starting? I think you can use, you can still use TIE Fighter Pilot. Most people are going to have that as an option over Gauntlet. Um, yeah. I've got both of my Gauntlet pilots at Gear 13. So I use okay. Gauntlet on the starting lineup. It's, uh, you know, I like the buff immunity. I like the defense that it gives to the other ships. Uh, it gets a speed bonus from Empire Allies. So it's just, it's a pretty fast ship actually. So yeah. there's just kind of a lot that Gauntlet brings to the table. So if you have the opportunity to invest in those pilots, even just a little bit, um, Bar is more useful than mm -hmm. Hero Super Commando, but um, they're still not widely useful. So you know, a lot of people aren't going to go too hard on them, but you know, I stopped it you know, like R3 for, for both of them. And, it's fine for now. Uh, but yeah, that's what absolutely. I would usually go with. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way I play like all of my upgrades is like a wait and see basis. And like, I mean, that's kind of why it was with like the executor too was like, you know, can I win a mirror match or can I beat executors, you know, with my understar? Yes. So then like, oh, well, there's no need for me to rush, you know, like, maxing this situation out and it was kind of the same way with second sister where yeah i actually just took her to r5 i mean i had her at seven stars for probably like a month and just yeah still had her at year 12 because i was just like well i think she's doing everything i need her to do right now i don't really see the need you know to jump her up to r5 and then you know it's just kind of uh, sitting around thinking like, oh, I want to do some upgrades. It'll be fun. And, uh, you know, checking out my roster and, you know, she's the damage dealer. You know, we're seeing a lot of like, she is in that starting lineup now with executors, uh, with inquisitors, I'm sorry. Um, and fifth brother is kind of the one being left out with like the current lineup because she's the damage dealer for that team. And uh, I was like, yeah, why not? I will take you to R5. And so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just like you were saying, like totally viable, um, you know, under R5, even though it's kind of nice to like, that's the whatever requirement for Grand Inquisitor. So you're going to potentially get there anyway. But yeah, yeah to shift to the gauntlet, um, which also uh, Endall was saying was that, you know, he was like kind of getting what he needed. His pilots were at gear 11, right? Which is really not that, crazy of you know an upgrade for those two pilots yeah you are going to need to allocate some cuffs and carbontes but um it's not nearly as crazy as like the biston u-wing but i mean you know the the gauntlet starfighter is the biston u-wing of the empire fleet i mean the stuff it does is great like it gets speed bonuses so it can be really fast it has a clean like one one of the only other cleanses in like the whole game and uh an ability and a uh buff block and i mean you're just talking i mean what a great kit you know it, it's one i think it's just one of the top ships out there and uh, it can really turn um your empire fleet you know from just you know take it all the way to 100 um and uh from a silver to a gold star and uh yeah i just i'm really excited to kind of work on that ship myself and just kind of see what it really can do and so uh, people might not be as familiar with its kit but uh it gets 15 speed per ally and then 20 speed on top of that so it gets like an additional 50 speed which is pretty crazy when it comes to ships mm -hmm. um 
And then, you know, Endel was saying, um, you know, we really want it at a minimum of 142 um, and up, which is kind of where he was able to hit with that gear 11. Um, but then, yeah, you know, you're looking at a 200 speed ship if you get it to 150. So, I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah, yeah the 142, uh, you know, if you add the 50, it's going to put it right just above most of what you need to counter negotiator. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you go a little above that, then that's always helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but now with you know Pi Interceptor, well, technically he's going to have 65 speed as soon as that first reinforcement comes in. So yeah. you immediately get that speed boost. Um, whereas before you're waiting for second capital ship turn to call the next ship in and then get that speed boost. So now you just, in most fights, I don't think it, changes a lot of things, but sometimes it's nicer just to get looped back around to that next turn a little bit faster. Uh, I don't know in, in practicality how often you're lapping the other ships, but you might get to where you need to get right before, you know, there's some sort of heal or something, or, you know, you, you put that buck uh, the or, or whatever, and then you've kind of snuck one in there. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm just, I'm so excited. I can't, I'm just totally fanboying out on Gauntlet Starfighter right now. Like, I'm so, like, personally excited about it, like, in my roster. Like, I just got Biston's ship, and now it's, like, I'm looking at Empire, like, oh, hooray. Like, this, like, new third piece that, like, is going to really take this fleet over the top. And, you know, even just like you said, you know, Negotiator Malevolence for the longest time were sitting, you know, at the top of uh, King of the Hill. And now you've got like this Empire fleet that can auto a malevolence i mean that's just like so crazy um and very cool and i'm just really excited and then you know it can also counter negotiator you know there's cases situations you know just like you said it can beat every fleet and really there's only like you know situationally for the most part but for really you know the executor is one of the only other fleets out there that's capable of running the board you know, um, mm-hmm. so it's just incredible what this fleet can do now and like how much it's worth the investment. And I'm really, I'm really excited to kind of pull it like, cause this is the thing, like I want to get good with this ship or good with the counters and like bring it on to offense. And, um, you know, I presume it can get good banners and get consistent wins. Um, I just don't have the experience with it. So I'm really, um, yeah, I was kind of hoping to pick your brain a little bit with, um, you know, your experiences with using it on offense and defense. I do feel like I've been cheating myself a little bit because I, like Sarah, have been putting <laughs> it on defense a lot. Mm. Uh, not every time because I just, I, I don't always have time to scout my opponent. So if I um, could just switch things up a little bit just to be a little bit unpredictable, I'm gonna, I'll try to do that even if I don't know if it's going to play into my opponent's strengths or weaknesses sometimes i just but i think more often than not it's on defense so i might be cheating myself out a little bit of of having some of that fun Mm -hmm. but it's also pretty fun to look and i I think i have a bunch of screenshots on there it has two three holds they use every single capital ship on there just as a last ditch attempt to, to beat it down and sometimes it's the first ship that they attempt and they use three fleets on it and it still doesn't go anywhere <laughs> because you know and then that's why they don't clear any ships you know sometimes it's just weird like that but 
Um, I think that's almost as fun as using it on offense. Yeah, it's, uh, I've been, uh, I hate to admit, I've been in this position a couple of times and lost GAs specifically because of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, you basically get down to a situation where Empire is the only fleet left, like on the board. And, but you are down to Rebels and First Order or something. And it's just like, yep, not going to do it. No, mm-hmm. I don't. My, my fleets were not in a place where like I can counter that. Like as soon as that Emperor shuttle comes out, like I get shut down and it's just done, like over. And I, you're just, yeah, throwing everything you have at it and you're not making a dent and you're just like, oh my, I, I, I've, <laughs> I've actually had a meltdown where like I had a GA so clearly won. It was like not even funny how like easily I had it won. And then I got shut down down on countering the empire fleet and just crashed and burned lost so hard oh i was uh, as probably one of the most i've ever been on tilt Mm -hmm. like if you want to use rebels can still win Uh, Mm -hmm. before high interceptor you know uh because when they got the bomber it was kind of a hard counter for rebels but if you had approximately equal relic levels, a lot of the times you could still, you know what you're doing, you can still win. And then for a while, people started putting Sith Bomber on the starting lineup to trip people up, but then we figured that out and there was a way around that and it wasn't a difficult counter. Um, now, I think it's a lot harder to counter Empire with, with um, Rebels, mm-hmm. um, but you'd need, I think, at minimum sort of like equal relic levels, if not a little bit higher on some of your pilots, which a lot of people do have. Mm-hmm. Like Mon and Chewie are, are pretty high relic. Um, Biggs, maybe. You definitely want to take him up, I think. But um, everything hinges on you being able to get rid of the bomber. Yeah. Because it's the thing that's providing cover for Vader and High Interceptor. And those are both, both very squishy ships. So the bomber's not there. It's kind of just easy pickings for for anyone who wants it, but um, everything is kind of built. Well, in the times I was trying to counter it, I never had distance U-wing, so it was like, I just, you know, my William Falcon, the two tanks weren't enough DPS that I was like taking out the the tank and then yeah and then i was just stuck and watching my rebels slowly get destroyed so i might be a little bit different now um that i have bistons ewing but i have been seeing people lately um, having more success using outrider and bistons ewing and millennium falcon in there because you have enough speed and like dps with those three ships to kind of like zerg the tank you know just right away and get the the tank out of it that empire tank out of there um and so i uh you know i think a lot of us you know i'm still grinding on my outrider but um it seems like that is a possible uh counter that might be up and coming right I want to love Outrider, and I think Outrider would be very important. But right now, I feel like everybody's arguing over which is better. Should I put this one? Should I put this one? Um, I would like to believe in my heart that if we get a self- second Rebel fleet, this then is still going to be important somewhere. Hmm. So you should still invest in it anyway. Oh, absolutely. But 
the thing with Outrider, at least for now, is that download is this kind of unfinished mechanic. Uh, like obviously, it's very slow to get download, get 100% download. It's um, there's a lot of RNG to it, based a lot on whether you're going to crit or not. And so, when Outrider, you know, he has, he does damage to he does an AOE right, um, and if it crits, he gets all this download. Um, uh, yeah, basically, you know, he gets to, well, the term meter is for the AOE. Um, and so the term meter is kind of inconsistent. You don't know if you're going to get it or who's going to get the term meter because some of that stuff goes to random allies. But downloads is kind of slow. Mm-hmm. And there's just, we know that there's got to be something else coming for download. So mm-hmm. it almost doesn't make sense to try too hard to shoehorn one or the other into something we know is going to shift a little bit. Because either there's going to be a capital shift that has to interact with with Outrider for download, or there's going to be other ships on the field that help you with download. So it's either going to be those marquee ships we're getting, or do they rework the Phoenix ships to have some sort of download mechanic? I don't really know what their plan is there. It could definitely make Phoenix useful, but for me, doesn't hit very hard a lot of times. Mm. Uh, the term meter and the, the download are, are very inconsistent. There's just a lot of RNG. Um, once you get download 100% though, and you get that buff, um, you're going to get 100% crit chance. And so once you get download the first time, I think you're going to keep getting it. So it's going to be this thing where it's kind of just feeding back into itself. And so that might be one of the things that helps it counter executor um, if that is what happens. But for now, it's kind of just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with, uh, um, you know, it's uh, you know, with all the testing I saw about Writer, I don't think I ever once saw someone get complete down. the download, yeah. right? Like, even people that I've were like, that. let me slow play this and see if I can get there. Like, are they still were either winning or getting destroyed before uh, they could ever, yeah, actually make it happen. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, where it's just kind of a, side mechanic that's uh, not used at the moment. I think we all have high hopes, you know, now with uh, Radis, the character, uh, having come out <laughs> and looking like he has some sort of download-esque mechanic in his kit that uh, it could tie into uh, another uh, ship mechanic, should we see it? Yeah, and, uh, the, the prophecy. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, that's gotta be what they do, right? They've gotta... Right, right. It's gonna get even more confusing. Just use Radis. Oh, you mean profundity, or you mean Radis, or do you right. mean character? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I think with that, uh, we will move on to Radis, the capital ship. <laughs> Not the character. <laughs> Not the character. Um, so, you know, with this, and so I'm just kind of putting this uh, in here in the middle because I think it's kind of a dud. Uh, it doesn't really have too much of a place in the game. I think for the most part, we just relegate it to defense because it doesn't do anything on offense. Um, I think we all had high hopes that like, we, for years, gosh, Sarah, how many times mm-hmm. did you and I say together, Give resistance us a resistance bomber. tank. Give I know. A resistance bomber. And now it's almost like, I wish we never even had it. That This tank is just trash. It's just, you know, I, I don't feel like it's really doing, I mean, I don't really get to see it doing much. Even, I mean, I still like, sometimes I use it on offense or, mm-hmm. um, 
I don't, I still don't even know what like the moves on every time, like I'm on it, I'm like, what does this move do? What does this special do? Oh, nothing like great. Like it doesn't doesn't Uh, do what I want it to do. I Uh, will, I will say that I like it in the sense of, I like being able to force the taunt on it so that I can mm -hmm. keep Poe alive. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the one thing that I'm like, all right. Get, you can you can hit this you can kill it as long as you don't kill Poe I'm happy yeah so Savitar why is Star Fortress the worst tank in the game and will you shit on it <laughs> <laughs> no I mean it, it makes this it makes the fleet better yeah mm-hmm. okay okay so, okay okay I guess you're going I mean, this direction fine no that's great technically no. gives us <laughs> yeah. another ship that yeah we're- Absolutely. Not very many resistance ships there. Mm-hmm. It was like a yeah. glaring hole in yeah. that fleet. But um, I've seen a couple people win uh, the combat missions and territory battles. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, yes, I guess. Right. I don't think it's very consistent. So I haven't done it. Mine is still like 20 shards away, 30 shards away. Oh, you don't even. Okay. Have, have a max or anything, right? I went. I went kind of hard on the chase, but not as hard as. Um, mm-hmm. I actually just finished it last week, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but since then I've been taking it really slow, and I think, in, in all honesty, there were some days where I didn't do. I've just been doing maybe five re- five sims, but yeah. uh, there's some days where I might have missed if I needed to farm gear or something. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it wasn't a high priority. Yeah, on that need yeah. basis, you're just like, I can slow grind this. No need to like refresh it or like push for this. Yeah, as much as I want to. Um, you know, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really that fleet is relegated really to like cleanup duty. Mm-hmm. If you needed if you need a two shot your executor, it, it works really, really well for that cleanup because um, you know, I think you're gonna win most of those cleanups. Um, yep. if you at least if you get a ship or two down. Mm-hmm. during the first battle otherwise it's on defense if people are trying to cheese set random stuff mm-hmm. i will i will use mine against theirs when they set it on defense yeah so, like, <laughs> even if it's slower you can yeah still... i'm like you can you can maybe well this this is the thing this is a, a couple of things to jump in with there um yeah awesome as a cleanup uh i think probably the best uh clean up for an executor two shot um but you the caveat there being you will 100 have to be mindful of where the aoe is on cooldown if you're bringing mm-hmm. it on quote on as a cleanup 100 like if, if it's not like off cooldown you need to bring in a burner you know so you can get that off cooldown and then you know you're um radis can come in and clean it up and it's also the same thing i was noticing with by using my rebels uh for a while i was using them for my cleanup um on executor and one of the things that i uh really found helpful on that even if the aoe was ready to come off wasn't on cooldown with using like a rebel cleanup if you put biston's ewing in there it will prioritize biston's ewing over the millennium falcon and as long as you have the millennium falcon alive in that fight it can win so like you know for the longest time my biston ewing was like really undergeared and low starred but it was great for a cleanup because it would just take that focus off of the millennium falcon long enough mm. to like get the rebel team going to like get the cleanup because a lot of times i would bring in like the two tank 
and the Millennium Falcon, and even in cases where I had the AOE off cooldown, but the TM load on the executor team was enough of just like them taking their turns, like basic, 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 to like kill my Millennium Falcon before it got to take a turn and like get the... Um, the buff on it and so um yeah i found like once i started kind of a little trick i found in there um so even people with um a low gear uh uh biston ewing can kind of use that to their advantage if they were trying to use rebels for a cleanup for that but then the other thing i was going to mention if i don't forget it um was yeah on the mirror um if, especially if they have that tank in there it's so easy to beat in the mirror because you bring in the three starting ships that don't have you know not the tank and so then you're 100 like there's not really enough dps for them to kill your uh, other three starters and they'll just bring that cooldown so you're guaranteed to hit that cooldown before the opponent's um Radis gets to its cooldown, and so then it's just it's such an it's such an easy mirror if they have the tank on on defense. Mm-hmm. I've used it on offense a couple of times to beat Empire fleets <laughs> <laughs> with with the uh, interceptor in them. Yeah, I, nice. I've won a few. I've lost a few, um, yeah. but I keep trying it just because I want it to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it has a cleanse. It has, it's powerful because it has a capital. Yeah. It's only capital ship with a cleanse, right? So you absolutely have to save that until after interceptor comes in. Otherwise, you're gonna lose right away. Um, right. But if you can cleanse that that buff immunity right away, I think you stand an okay chance. Um, but that's. I mean, I've been trying with the minimum ray requirements. I don't have mm-hmm. any. I've never took anything else up higher than it needed to be. So yeah just for funsies if i took like scav ray and o, uh, or, or finn up higher maybe things could get better but um, mm-hmm. for now it's not like i would probably lose for sure if uh, i think a lot of the opponents had you know maybe a seven star but they didn't have um r5 second sister or anything like that and so um the times that i did win you know, the, I think the force and the evasion on, on those ships is, is decent. So like I relied a lot on dodges and I, I got, probably got a little bit lucky, but um, I had um Sarge and I usually have fives kind of left over if I'm not using him with negotiator. So five just kind of goes in there. Sometimes you just you still can do some damage. Um, he's mm. a pretty healthy ship. He, um, you know, if you just need a basically a warm body to throw in there, and there's there, a target lock here and there that might benefit fives a little bit, but um, it's not something I recommend. Okay. Yeah, and as we mentioned, also, it's not like a theory crafting hot take. It's probably ill-advised to recommend. <laughs> Yeah. Well, listen, I appreciate your optimism. You know, you're trying to make it happen. You're trying to make it work. It's the little engine that could, you know, you're uh, (laughs) giving giving it your all. So, you know, we're all about that around here. Um, But then as we mentioned earlier, yeah, just a perfect spot for a clone Sarge, you know, to sit in that lineup because, you know, the one thing this team needs is time, you know, to do anything. Yeah. The more time you can get it, the better. And if clone Sarge, you know, comes up, you know, I mean, a lot of times even like look at my defense uh you know you're looking at whatever the defense is um and like ga you know i'll have 
the most reinforcements will have like come out with you know this with the radis because you know clone sarge comes in and then you know they have to take more time to get the clone sarge out and other stuff and other stuff gets to come in um you know and that's when you hold your reinforcements kind of come out yeah mm -hmm. yeah right right so i i haven't seen those holds you speak of but uh yeah yeah it, it is an interesting dynamic um to that uh so yeah but it's really cool and then you're saying yeah it can can it be finalized or like what's the consistency on it being finalized uh yeah i mean because you have lenses and, and mm -hmm. you still have to and dodges them, yeah. Right? yeah it's just you almost never see finalizer on defense so no um, i guess that's a good yeah it, it should work because yeah. um the finalizer the way you play finalizer even before uh it was an executor counter was pretty technical right and so the AI is not going to um, prioritize finalizers basic to you know call uh, silencer to assist over and over again. It's gonna use the other abilities. It's not going to um, command shuttle. It's not gonna use the turn meter uh, mm. abilities situationally like mm. you would if you're using an offense. So there's just a lot of stuff that the AI can't account for where um, so it's you're probably not at any risk for you know losing with radis. Yeah, I think this is an interesting like point to bring up. Yeah, the finalizer and the radis have in common that basically every fleet uh, on the board is able to counter them. Um, and it's odd the difference in the dynamic where you know it's highly recommended that finalizer, you know, is not used on defense because of its lack of viability, but then you know, we're all throwing radis. <laughs> on defense just because it's kind of that last ship out there that we can throw in for that third slot and you know still have enough uh an offense to you know make sure that we're clearing the board or at least giving ourselves the best options to win in ga yeah i mean finalizer is a very narrow lane that it likes mm -hmm. to stay in it's very good at what it does but if you yeah. try to use it for stuff outside of that it's probably not going to do very well yeah and you were uh, Great, great. And I think with that, that's a great transition. Let's get into the finalizer, which is a fleet that I am just so excited about. Like when the echelon hit, I got so pumped. Like I went so hard for it. Like I was just so excited for the dynamics of it, like how good that echelon tank is with the team. It's like so fun to play. Just like, hey, silencer take a turn no take another turn no take a turn again <laughs> hey guess what take another turn um and then just to like see it like in situations where you know you can have like a hound's tooth with nearly full health from protection and use your special like you know a minute two minutes into like the match and just one shot that hound's tooth and it just like obliterate it off the board like oh my god i just i love this fleet so much it is so fun to play um and just yeah the way the mechanics work where the echelon can like recoup it's like health and protection your shuttle is like gaining turn meter you know and your other shuttle uh, uh your silencer is just taking you know yeah. shots after shots it, it's just such a great dynamic of the team like they all fit their positions and do their roles like so well yeah. and you you basically have the ability to keep bounce to 
stunned or ability blocked for most of the fight. Yep. So it kind of limits what it can do as you start to pick off everybody else around it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can really set up like really big hits with the silencer. Cause I think the silencer is great gaining crit damage every time it attacks, right. Or every time it crits, it gains uh, crit damage. I'd have to look at that kit, but it seems like it has a mechanic that's ramping. It, it does uh, ramp. It right. ramps. Uh, but I can't remember what it, but what why? makes it ramp. It's just offense or just um oh uh every time it's damages or uh it gains 15 percent stacking weapons yeah every time time it it damages a target weapon right or it gets damaged yeah Yeah. so that's a lot of offense Mm -hmm. right right great glad we sorted that out um There's a lot of there's a lot of the, like control yeah. here, right? Like yeah. yeah, because of the stuns and the ability blocks. So right, and so just to kind of go over a little bit of the finalizer, uh, the counter with uh, finalizers and counter on executor. Um, I really, again, as I kind of was mentioning earlier, I think everyone should, you know put this in their pocket for have this in their pocket for like the executor counter um because it's so relatively easy to access um and then you know the counter takes a little bit of practice but once you get it down you know it's pretty darn good and um yeah for the most part um the starting three or four turns will always be the same. Um, you're basically just going to basic on the Razor Crest with your silencer. Um, you're going to uh, group attack um, on your silencer uh, with your echelon, and you're going to, even with your uh, first um, turn with your shuttle, you're just going to do the TM gain. But then your second turn with the shuttle, you apply your ability block on Houndstooth. And then from there, it just kind of becomes a dance of, you know, making sure you're constantly set up to manage Houndstooth not taking a turn. And then like, even if like late in the match, Houndstooth gets a turn, I've found Silencer is generally at a position where he's ramped up enough that he can get that one shot. And a lot of times, like I really try to set up a one-two punch where like my shuttle removes any protection it has on that hound's tooth. And um, Silencer has its special off cooldown ready to go. And then maybe it'll have like offense up or, you know, adva- uh, advantage. So, you know, you're going to get that crit and then it just counts to disappears and you're yeah. ready to like go for the mm-hmm. rest of the board. Uh, and it's like a guaranteed win from there. So um, yeah, just super fun. I think there is some RNG in it. Sometimes it can get a little bit out of hand if hands to finds a way to taunt too early in the match and then Xanadu Bloods lighten you up or something. Well, Xanadu Bloods generally gone. Um, but, you know, if uh, the IG uh, 2000s light, uh, you know, just getting a tee off on you and light you up and you're not necessarily getting to manage your stuns uh, around the board and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of my experience. Um, and I had just so much fun practicing executor counters, you know, in arena with mm-hmm. that fleet um, after I finally got, uh, you know, when it's just even when I had Echelon 5-star, when I had Echelon on six star seven star and then i took my first order officer to like r7 you know and just uh played around with it just had so much fun 
that's a fun fleet. Like I, I, I don't have it fully operational. I did everything backwards. <laughs> like I, <laughs> SLKR is is the is my last GL. So I oh, had everything okay. else like done before that. So like I have a pair, basically a bare bones kind of finalizer fleet. But yeah, I mean the way you described it, basically how you're gonna play it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, uh, a lot of times it kind of might come off the rails if you're using the turn meter uh, incorrectly, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of times if you're passing turn meter to finalizer, or I'm sorry, um, silencer, and uh, it already has, you know, 60, 70% turn meter, it's kind of a waste. Um, right. He's going to take a turn pretty quickly anyway. So you have to know when to use use it on itself versus use it on um, silencer. Um, you're not really... Sometimes you'll use it on echelon to get it to, to get some terminator there, but yeah, late in the battle things can kind of weave a different way, and you're you're kind of um, having to like go off script, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a lot of times you're trying to keep slave one in check at that point because you don't want it to take turns or use its AOE at all. Um, sometimes that big hit from, from silence or late in the match kind of is there to just nuke slave one too. Mm-hmm. you can keep you don't have to kill uh Ansu to beat the fleet you have to kill everybody else to prevent yeah. it from getting the um getting to its ult so if you can just knock out all the other threats and then you'll have enough time at the end of the fight to kind of whittle down um on Hansu. So. Yeah, some tricky spots like to be aware of in that counter are where like you got to be looking for that cleanse because like if you use that ability block before executor is about to like cleanse, you know, use its cleanse, well then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you know you're in a bad situation and you've wasted your ability block. You know your shuttle's not going to get a turn in time. Houndstooth's going to get that taunt and then you're stuck. The other thing that's kind of interesting as well that can happen uh, is IG two thousand comes in doesn't get necessarily like the turn meter boost is sometimes you get to jump in before it comes in but if you have a chance to stun that ig2000 definitely do that because if the and it's rng but if the ig2000 comes in and stuns your silencer Mm. the the whole counter can like turn real fast all of a sudden when you know your silencer uh can get in a position where it's like locked out of you know it's you know it's getting those cycling of those turns um the other thing um that can sometimes happen is um oh there's like one other scenario that like i run into uh all the time to potentially lose but uh i'll think about those but those are like some of the two of the tips that like i always really have to kind of be aware of um and then just yeah like making sure you're locking down yeah like you're seeing razor crest sometimes late like razor crest will turn around or all of a sudden they'll get um they'll get like 20 target locks on you and you're like oh no um and uh yeah one will pop with the debuffs um but uh but for the most part it, you can get it with enough practice you can get it like pretty dang consistent um and uh even find yourself uh timing really big hits to get it in your favor oh the other thing that can turn it sorry uh is uh obviously uh negligent to mention um 
Boba's ship, you know, Slave One in this situation because Slave One comes in with taunt, you know, and all of a sudden it's taunting and retribution and countering and like applying target lock on you, you know, because you're you've shut Houndstooth down. Houndstooth isn't taunting, so you can't like go over there. So you're really forced to do it. So you really want to also be mindful of putting yourself in situations with your TM and your like shots that you are either like able to dispel the slave one and get mm. back to stunning the hound's tooth or you're able to put yourself in a situation where you can stun slave one and like burn it down and then like get back to hound's tooth or a situation so the, the kind of becomes a juggling match um, with slave one coming in there as well typically i have found most success where i can dispel the slave one so i don't have to worry about it and i get more freedom to manage the board um and then try to get a stun on hound's tooth and stuff but yeah a lot of times it's just like even like looking at yeah do i give silencer a turn right now well if i don't boost any terminar and silencer by the time silencer takes a turn houndstooth will be above 50 percent now and i can like stun it you know like rather than just being like oh automatically let me just give it turn meter and get a turn so you're constantly kind of like yeah doing this dance so uh it's a fun counter very dynamic and uh yeah uh, again takes practice though um so yeah there's a weird um there's a you can usually predict what you're going to see first executor tell me about that i mean you know what's funny because like when i first saw the counter it said uh you know slave one will typically come out first i guess with this it doesn't it it does like a different counter yeah it does because you almost always have a ship with breach on the field and i think the ai is going to prioritize slave one if there's breach if there's uh there's no breach you know, you'll, you'll notice it now, like go, go back to arena That's it. and do your executor mirrors and pay attention to when you see, uh, IG 2000 come in, look at your ships. And there's probably not going to be breach on the field. Mm-hmm. Normally, s- yeah. historically in our testing and on the, the, the Google doc with all the reinforcement info that we have for people, um, slave one's kind of in like that second tier. There's four, you know, there's four ships that are always going to come out ahead of everybody, no matter what, which is Biggs, Clone Sarge, Sunpack, and oddly enough, Outrider. And he has a reinforcement ability that you know, specifically mentions download. So, you know, soon, TM. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's those four. But the next group is kind of a bigger group where, you know, it depends a little bit on what order you put them in. But Slave One's in that group. That's tier two, but historically, like IG 2000 has been a lot lower than that. But mm. we are, we're finding that in specific groupings, we put ship, certain ships together that usually aren't, you know, weren't always together or they're using them in different ways, different ships. Now these mechanics are starting to like flip those things upside down a little bit. But yeah, most of the time it'll jump over whatever, um, Slave One will jump over if there's somebody with breach. Yeah, that's that's the insight. Cause I mean, I, I was like, I was saying, I was looking at the counter and it said, yeah, like the next ship that you will typically come in is that. And I was like, the t- I always see IG2000 come in first. And I was just like, yeah, weird that the, um, they expect, the expectation is uh, for Slave One to come in. And yeah, that makes, and I've, I've never, realized or you know taking the moments to kind of think about it yeah so that's awesome to yeah mention 
you know, what that condition is that's bringing that out. I mean, I don't know that you can really manipulate it to your favor or whatever, but uh, that's great to be able to predict like, oh, okay, reinforcement's coming, you know, and know uh, which one it's going to be. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then, yeah, so like, obviously, I think the best use for finalizer obviously is countering executors if you're not doing like an executor mirror. Um, and then, um, I think, yeah, obviously we've talked, uh, I haven't, I don't really, I guess, do enough practice with using the finalizer counter against like other fleets, like negotiator or rebels. I mean, obviously like rebels is a hard counter to finalizer, but, um, I assume, yeah, without rebels playing it, properly yeah if that's one of the other things that doesn't play well on defense yeah AI. right yeah so you can exploit that if if you're using finalizer correctly you can beat most of the other fleets out mm-hmm. there um, mm-hmm. before executor it was always people's uh, go-to for a negotiator counter so if you can't pull off the executor counter you could still beat negotiator mm-hmm. with it use rebel <laughs> somewhere else Oh, okay. And I feel like it should really be a soft counter for like Empire. How, what do you feel about its like viability against like Empire? I haven't really done it with. Um, yeah, because I've lost a lot of times. I've lost yeah. several. Yeah, I've yeah. lost enough trying. Yeah. So I think I you do. can still go first, right? Yeah. Still have the speed advantage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, that's not a fight that I've really done. So just, uh, yeah, well, I think how, how it would play out. I think the only time I won was when it was an executrix, not a chimera. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only time I flat out won. Otherwise, yeah. it was just like I killed a couple of ships. You beat it when it was Tarkin, or when it was Tarkin, yeah, okay. for the Empire capital. Um, uh, and then I think with it, you know, a lot of times because you want to put. Um, hunted on a lot of times people recommend putting hunted on vader but vader isn't really getting tm gain am i incorrect on that like in that lineup for the most part so my i don't know who you would want to hunt right so my strategy has always been like i want hunted on the ship that i'm going to kill first because then i can line up getting a kill with silencer and then get like the big damage boost and then start putting the you know uh, damage in my favor to get a win and so a lot of times i'll put the hunted on the tank and then if i can get that kill um on the bomber then like i'm you know pretty much good to go but a lot of times you can't get the kill before well i guess now you know maybe i don't know if it'd be easier or harder but i mean once emperor's shuttle comes out in like a cis or like whatever damage or all of a sudden giving like bonus protection you're not taking that tank out like it's just uh you, you just get stuck again so um i feel like it uh, maybe there are like counters out there and like someone can study it, but uh, yeah, I just feel like it's certainly not recommended counter against empire. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know what the mirror is like. I've actually lost in the mirror. Um, I have a guy who cheats in my fleet shard and he was taking uh, one with a non echelon uh, finalizer fleet uh, climbing through, you know, 20 executors Um I don't even think he had, I, th- I think he just had Slicer, Bomber, 
and something else. Uh, I've reported him a couple of times. Um, but uh, but yeah, I was like having to fight him and I'm doing basically a mirror on his and I, I was a lot, I, <laughs> I would lose. I'd be so upset. <laughs> like, how am I losing to this guy? Um, but yeah, just kind of funny there. But uh, yeah, to move on and uh, kind of start getting the, the outside uh, wrapping this show up, you know, I really put these two fleets here at the end because I just want to gush about them. I just love them. Like it's the home one, my favorite fleet now. I'm so excited about it. Like I have Biston's Ewing now. I just look forward more than anything to like using that ship and playing around with like the target lock and seeing all the things that it's capable of. Like I love, I love practicing like the triple attacker counter on the executor. I love practicing like the negotiator wins. Uh, I mean, it's just, this ship is like, has so much viability and flexibility because it's got like, it's got the everything that we look for on like squads. You know, it's got mm-hmm. like turn meter, it's got damage, it's got protection and health recovery, it's got AOE, it's got like, you know, just a little bit of everything that make it just an ex- excellent fleet uh, to play around with and just have so much fun. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited that um, I have that now. And then I guess I'll just kind of talk about, you know, I saw on the fleet surfer like an amazing breakdown of Biston's Ewing and Outrider um, and basically just you know saying how for right now Biston's Ewing is like far superior to Outrider um, while you know I think there's merits to Outrider's basic granting like more TM you know uh, evenly across the board mm-hmm. it's like less consistent because like you're really having to wait for it to take another turn before you can get that TM. Whereas like with the um, Biston's Ewing, you know, as just every time target lock is happening, you're getting TM and you're getting like a lot of TM. You're getting that 35% handed around, which yeah, I guess like for your first turn, it's right. Like you're really overloading like your Millennium Falcon, right? So it's like, oh, 35% is overkill. But mm-hmm. after that first turn, like 35% is great. Like I want 35% like yeah. being tossed around, <laughs> like for sure, you know? Um, and so I thought that was like really interesting on their breakdown. Um, and I can't uh, remember where that was. I yeah, that, actually, I, I thought it was in the Outrider section. Most of it is a lot yeah. of it, a lot of that conversation is like me and KP sixty seven. I don't know if he was the one that, that posted that or not, but right because right. we people have asked in you know in multiple channels. They ask in the Home One channel. They ask in the regular Fleet Strategy channel. Um, so sometimes it's hard to keep the conversation straight, but. Yeah, it all kind of circles back to the same thing, which is mm-hmm. what you just said. Yeah, yeah. So KP67, uh, which it seems like your partner in crime on the server, the other mm-hmm. uh, guy, at least uh, that's what uh, uh, I mean, Indel he is was like, also saying. KP was like, helped him out with the... Uh, he's kind of one, he's one of our resident whales. Super, okay. He's a big, big uh, Empire fan. He's always been, been well known for that, you know, but um, not many of those whales out there are like very... Like shipping, I don't know, ship enthusiasts, mm-hmm. uh, but he's just always kind of hanging around, and I'm in multiple servers with him. And so, um, if there's ever like something that we're like, hey, can you like take a look at this? Uh, he can do it because he's got like R8 
Gar and Imperial Super Commando. And like he has all the toys. And so I'm like, I didn't, you know, during the chase or whatever, like, you know, they they can take, they can get these ships to seven stars right away. So um, I'm like, hey, can you look at this or can you confirm I have these stats right? You know, I just updated the sheet. You want to confirm my results, like that sort of stuff. So yeah, and he's got good knowledge about the game, you know. Um, you know, he's he's in uh, Ma, and he, he's a competitive player for the most part. Um, and so he has pretty good knowledge of the game and he's just you know, willing to come in and have a conversation and just kind of participate with other people. And, yeah, to quote KP, uh, he says in his breakdown, Outrider hits with the strength of a wet feather. Uh, <laughs> so, All right. uh, yeah, I believe him on that. But then he was also saying, yeah, you also miss out on the bonus defense penetration from Biston being stealthed, uh, which is really great. So, um, yeah, essentially rely very heavily on the Millennium Falcon being called to assist more. Um, yeah, which is asking for more RNG. So that was pretty great. Um, he's basically saying that, yeah, while it's a blow to your like your relics and mech characters, Biston SRP, uh, Biston's Ewing is like a way better investment. Um, and uh, yeah, he's been trying Outrider in different situations, uh, but he just, it feels more difficult than easy. Yeah, especially when RNG doesn't go your way. So um, yeah, <laughs> in the current context of the Rebel Fleet, Outrider is affixed to something that wasn't broken. Yeah, in the context of a potential new fleet, uh, maybe download-oriented, it's a much different story. So, uh, yeah, shout-outs to KP then. Uh, he has a really great breakdown uh, in the Outrider uh, channel um, if uh, anyone wants to check it out over there. So uh, I thought it was definitely worth kind of going into the uh, merits of those two because, you know, it, it was so... That was just the biggest question for me when Outrider came out. It was like, you know, where is this ship's place in the game? Because as he said, like, it's fixing a problem we didn't have. So, um, and, you know, as someone who didn't have Biston's U-Wing, it was like, you know, is this a replacement? And I think the, you know, resounding answer is no. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Millennium Falcon's wiggle. Mm -hmm. uh, if we can uh, wiggle it for a little bit. Uh, there are counters. There are children here, sir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that millennium falcon so dirty um the where there are cases where like sometimes i would get confused on like when to wiggle mm -hmm. so like with certain counters you're doing your uh, negotiator counter um, or you are doing, I think the malevolence counter it's like, or even I think with the, if you're trying to use rebels to counter, uh, um, empire, it can be beneficial not to wiggle out of the gate. Like, well, negotiator, absolutely. You don't wiggle like out of the gate because you have to save it for after the, that days gets applied. Mm -hmm. Um, but then like with the executor counter, you absolutely like get that wiggle in because they will target your Millennium Falcon as a priority. They will find any which way they possibly can get to like that Millennium Falcon and kill it like as soon as possible. So. Uh, I mean, I generally, it's, it's generally safe. Don't, don't push it. 
unless don't push that button unless you are dazed, uh, right? Because the entire fleet uh, revolves around his uh, assists and mm -hmm. being able to, to do damage that way. So, um, and then, you know, you would obviously wiggle if you had like buff immunity or something um, where there were only two buffs, two debuffs, because uh, if you get the third debuff, he's going to cleanse himself. Mm -hmm. um, so citrus is like that. Um, but yeah, the, um, the outmaneuver buff is, is useful to have in those situations, but like, do you mean in the triple attacker? Yeah, triple attacker, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm usually like, like you hinted at earlier, if you don't get IG down fast enough um, and it heals and then gets the foresight, you're kind of um, from behind the eight ball a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm, in my mind, I'm always kind of like in panic mode, like I gotta kill this, I gotta kill this, I gotta kill this. And so I usually don't wiggle right away. I just just keep pounding away until I at least have that, that ship down. And if I need to wiggle after that, either to um, kind of survive the mm -hmm. next hit or just cleanse whatever whatever debuff that is, like if you get something on there that you don't like, but a lot of times you're gonna end up with reach target lock and maybe the mark, and you're gonna get those auto cleanse anyway. Um, right. But yeah, I think you still wouldn't have outmaneuver necessarily. Yeah, I think that one of my practices, I was, yeah, like I didn't outmaneuver because I was thinking the same thing. Like, let me save it, you know, especially for like, you know, because the uh, executor dispels outmaneuver, uh, you know, on its cleanse. But with the way the cooldowns typically work, you're back to um, the. Uh, outmaneuver uh like you can kind of have that ready to go again by the time that cleanse hits um but yeah i definitely lost because i didn't wiggle um on an executor counter because it was just like yeah they just went hard on on it and i was trying to save it just getting too cute sometimes you can get too cute and so it's like uh yeah I definitely i think um no when to wiggle you guys come on <laughs> children around no when to wiggle and if you wiggle and this then you know this becomes this uh the other target and it's not going to last long and then all of a sudden you've lost a lot of your benefit mm. there there was no, no more tomato stuff so like, if you're going to wiggle um it's probably a good idea to make sure that your digs or your y-wing are, mm -hmm. are still alive or even if cassian's like somehow on the field like whatever you've done it can die because it's already served its purpose which is just mm -hmm. to come in and give you that big hit right away. But um, yeah, I mean, you're almost, I always, I always lose bigs in that fight just because mine's so war yeah. three. But um, usually right after that, I can call. Um, you're not in a rush to call Cassian because you're almost always going to have breach and the town's going to get reapplied to Houndsuit. So you can wait and still play that. So you can call your Y-Wing out and that way you still have a tank. And then a lot of times you're just going to, kill houndstooth if that um protection debuff lands right yeah yeah absolutely then though you have to worry about the because the executor will cleanse that right away so you know yeah. I may vary. yeah yeah well we're in timing it so that the you know houndstooth doesn't you know get that basic going too um, to always try to like land that when yeah 
the houndstooth has low TM and then, yeah, you can focus it down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, you can't gush enough people, you know, work on your finalizers, work on your home ones. Uh, so I want to ask you real quick, um, how has your, uh, just to kind of take a quick jump back, how's your finalizer been like going? Cause I know that you uh, got your seven star echelon because mm-hmm. uh, you were kind of, uh, we're trying to upgrade that quick and early. Have you done much practicing and testing with your finalizer? I, 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 haven't, um, I haven't seen any of your GA videos lately. I know you haven't done any cause you went on your trip. But. Um, I haven't done any recently. Um, I've mostly been like, even with the bug, I've been finding the malevolence two shot to be more, mm. more, um, okay. that's still your go-to reliable. Yeah. And then I've been using my finalizer elsewhere just because I've like, based off what I've been setting on my defenses for fleets yep. and then what I have been seeing in my opponents mm-hmm. as I can, if I can afford to, to do the two shot on executor and then use my finalizer somewhere else every time that i've tried to use my finalizer it's been a case of exactly what you said where it's like hmm, like tried to get cute mm. and uh did not work okay <laughs> so gotcha. but i definitely um want to do it because i think it'll be maybe i'll try and do it this week we'll see okay we'll see yeah i'm excited i'll keep an eye out for uh yeah your ga videos um and then well, yeah, you can practice like right away yeah yeah arena and practice a bunch and then pop right in yeah yeah and that, that, that is the things. that is the good thing right yeah and there was a time where like for a couple of weeks like i was having i was getting so good with that counter that like i it was easier for me to climb to one using my first order than it was my executive mm-hmm. mood so um yeah that was pretty great but uh definitely the it can get screwed up with an IG 2000 starter um, because uh, for the most part, you will be able to just kind of uh, kill that IG 2000. But if you don't, then it's going to recover yeah. like, and it gets out of hand like real fast. Whereas like Xandu Blood, you know, you're just going to hit it with your two shots and you're going to guarantee to take it out every time. Um, and then, yeah, I did want to mention with... Um, the home one, like if you were like me, obviously, um, finalizer is a hard counter to home one. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is still like when using the finalizer counter on home one, um, you don't use echelon in your starting lineup. You still want, um, SF tie pilot in your starting lineup. Cause then SF calls the assist, which gets you the kill on millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the easier way to get like hundred percent counter, you know, uh, the more consistent counter. And then you can bring echelon in, you know, as your first reinforcement, um, if mm-hmm. you're uh, still doing that. So I kind of had to remind myself cause yeah, it's like not often you really see the home one on defense, but if you do, it's like finalizer is going to get you pretty good banners. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, like, yeah, like, can I use Echelon now? Like, is that going to be better to counter um, home one fleets, you know, with Finalizer? And uh, I don't, I don't think it is. Um, it's tough. Def- I've done it both ways. And oh, you have? Yeah. And it's smoother with Special Forces, considerably Special Forces. smoother. Right. Because exactly right. like you said, you call the assist and you can kill yeah. Balkan up yeah. way faster. Okay, good. 
Yeah, that's great. Uh, well, here, uh, I want to shift to our last topic, which is always our favorite time of an episode, tinfoil hat time. Uh, <laughs> just uh, we've kind of mentioned it a little bit to discuss a little bit of the profundity, uh, which I think is the most potential uh, capital ship coming to the game. Of course, maybe the what was it? Ravager like had potential to come. You know, someone was saying the other day that like they think CG did have plans to bring like that capital ship to the game but then got like spiteful about that leak and like decided to you know cancel it um never know yeah right maybe uh, they gave us a first order tank instead of a sick tank yeah right right um but yeah i think you know for everyone the writing's on the wall as a radis the character coming out um you know it's like why are we getting this character if not you know to set up a capital ship uh after seeing the outrider and um you know just the things in its kit and uh you know a lot of conjecture now along like do you get a red five maybe as the damage dealer like that would be the milf equivalent you mm-hmm. know for that fleet um maybe if you're pulling you know red five over then are you pulling bigs and wedge also to complement you know him over to that and like hit synergy because obviously like you know you got to get all of your x-wings together you know with your profundity um and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure. Uh, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, you guys had a quite the uh, profundity conversation over on the uh, Fleet Discord. We've had it uh, a couple of times, and I've I've had discussions at other servers too. But yeah, it's like, hey, sure, we're we're pretty settled that you know, profundity slash whatever. Like, there's a capital ship. Like the the bigger question marks are what what's coming with it right mm-hmm. because red five is always the go-to i don't know if that's ever going to come it might be um an attempt at like goodwill on cg's part like hey fan favorite this is what you've always mm-hmm. wanted and then you know so we get that um so that could easily be something that that happens we just got them to fix the wedge there's a bug with wedges speed Mm. So I was supposed to start with a certain like, speed at the start of the encounter, and it, it just wasn't being calculated correctly. Yeah, that's um, one of those weird things. Like, why did they fix that now? Well, the short, <laughs> there was like a conspiracy, but really the answer yeah. is that me and one other guy, uh, mostly him, like he noticed it first because no one mm. uses wedge very often in the starting lineup anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Because wedge should go first, uh, he should outspeed executor. Um, if it was working correctly, but it, it right. never did. So we dug in and figured out is the mechanic doing, is it like ABC or versus BCA? Like what's going on? Well, it was just a bug and they fixed it um, finally. Mm-hmm. So that was a cool little call out. Um, I don't think it was like, it might have an impact on whatever comes next, but I don't think that that was why they did it. Um, it was you. <laughs> But I won't, I won't take any credit for it. Um, oh, okay. But I didn't. I didn't submit the bug. I didn't. Even, I didn't find the bug. But I was okay. like, I remember um, having those discussions. I was like, yeah, why isn't this working? And uh, it wasn't us. It was a bug. <laughs> so like, okay, <laughs> we're not crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, like rebel type ships in the other Star Wars media, right? Like, wasn't it Blue Squadron that was kind yeah. of the profundity? Mm-hmm. They have um, like the Alphabet Squadron novels. So 
um, they could introduce those, but if they do that, then they're kind of on the hook for introducing more pilots. So I don't know how they would want to handle stuff like that. I think uh, I think they wanted to go to pilotless ships and then yeah. like levels and stuff keeps increasing. If they keep doing that, if they don't do anything to fix um, the pilotless ships we have, they'll quickly get left in the dust. And so I think a lot of the ships that we're going to see should be ships with pilots. Um, so mm. you could also just do like a rebel a random generic rebel b-wing rebel yeah. a-wing and that might be the more likely scenario we might get you know like a red five but then we might just get the generic stuff and i don't know who they could get to be those pilots like Bodhi kind of needs a ship that's something we always <laughs> talk about like he has that one he doesn't do anything in the movie except he's you only see him on the ship and he doesn't have his own little shuttle or whatever, but um, mm-hmm. you know, he's not a he's not technically not piloting the ship, right? But right. It's, not a, it's not a pilot tag, it's a crew member tag. True. They're Good crew point. members, they're not pilots. So <laughs> Bodhi could Bodhi could easily find a spot somewhere. I was like, just gonna say have, that's what everyone's clamoring for, Bodhi to get a ship. Yeah, I mean. They have rebels that aren't pilots already that they could just make pilots. You could do a rebel shuttle, do a rebel A-wing, rebel B-wing, mm-hmm. and then it could kind of, then they have the freedom to kind of design the kits around however they want it to be without feeling this small hole to stick with some sort of lore like they would with Red 5. Yeah. Which like, they should still get us Porkins and Red 5. And I don't know which loop they would want to pilot Red 5, but. I know everybody wants Parkins in the game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people would drop yeah a lot of money for that. Yeah, there would be some, something they could uh, bring a big cash cow. Um, and then yeah, there was that glitch where um, when you went into arena or something, I think it was uh, loading an A wing like glitch, just real flip like an A wing. Um, and so yeah, I, someone had pointed out you know because I brought that up on the H and N Discord, and they're like, well, it is just the A the ship the first chip that starts with a so if it's going to glitch it might just be because you know it's, it's not like a rebel thing it just happens to be like the first ship in what might be like the dynamic list you know mm-hmm. of whatever ships they have like the early data mines always, they had a lot of ships yeah. that we don't have in game yet like yeah right uh, grandmaster yoda has a ship you know in yeah. canon. and i think there was in the data mine yet there's there's other ones too that i'm, I'm probably drawing a blank blank on i don't know massages on that list uh, but there's there's ships in the data mine that have yeah been around for years but they've never so those models exist somewhere they've just never brought any of them to the game mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. right very exciting well i think we're all looking forward to more ships coming to the game and yeah hoping that this profundity and that uh all of that comes together and it is an executor counter and it's the greatest thing ever and we have more ships and that's easy to counter so no one has any ship headaches um and the world will be beautiful um but with all that said savitar thank you so much for coming on today it was a pleasure Uh, this was really awesome. I just am so glad that we got to do a ship episode and got to have a ship expert on to discuss it with us. I'm sure all our listeners were just clamoring for ship content. Um, and this will be our most popular episode ever. Um, and uh, yeah, with that, please um, check out 
the disc, uh, Imperial Fleet Server uh, Discord. Uh, I will post a link for that on the HNN um, server. Uh, along with several other of the ship resources um, that we've posted here. Uh, you can also check those out on the Imperial Fleet server. Uh, it's an invaluable resource. There's lots of good people over there um, sharing lots of good information. And just, yeah, it's really awesome. We even have it laid out specifically with all the channels. So it's like, oh, if I want to know something about, you know, Gauntlet, I can just like go to that channel and kind of like be able to kind of browse and see information on that. Just kind of like I did with, um, you know, the Outrider, just being able to kind of see breakdowns um, on that and what uh, people had been discussing regarding, um, you know, the different ships and stuff. So um, with all of that being said, thank you both for, for joining me today. It is time to go switch off.